Don't shut up. The podcast is starting. <laughs> Say something, God. Dead air. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. And season two, right? Season two. We're even better at it this We're time. We're back to reunited. I'm Joey Bonnier. To the right of me is Sean Fogg. Sean Fogg. Across the table is Derek Laporte. Yep. And to the left of him, Tim Snow. As always. So we're back, guys. Watched another movie. We did. Um, this time we watched The Manchurian Candidate from 1962. Yeah, not the Denzel one. Not the Denzel no. one. No. No. This one is a, is the good one? That's, well, we'll see. I'm we'll not, see. I mean, yeah, that remains to be seen. You're going to have to listen to the other I would say three hours better of this than the podcast other one. It's the first to find one. out. It's the first <laughs> it's one. It's the first one. Sure, <laughs> sure they come first. <laughs> it is. Uh, this was directed by John Frankenheimer. Mm. What was he known for? Any Anything else notable at all? Uh, Jacob Jing Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I apologize. He was known for some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's stuff. I really don't know. I, I think other, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, um, we'll we'll look it up in the meantime. We're a, it's we're a, good a film question. podcast. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's, some, it's a lot of other well, It's about things. our reactions, not yeah. about the research. Too. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So let's get our reactions. Let's talk about our first yeah. impressions. Um, Sean, actually, I'm going to go to you first, if that's okay. Okay. Oh, okay. No, no, you know, I'm not. He's yeah. not prepared. No, We're it's good. fine. I can do it. Okay. I'm good. No, he can do it. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Jump in. in. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, it was quite a bit cheesier than I expected. Um, there's definitely some good things about it and some good moments. But overall, like the acting and the dialogue and the script and wow. But um, the ideas were cool. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Tim. The movie opened terribly. <laughs> it opened really The first five bad. minutes, which you can't so, miss. Well, first of all, yeah. So first of all, the, the thing that I noticed right before we started the viewing was that the, the tagline on the poster was, if you miss the first five minutes of the movie, you'll have no idea what's going on or something to that effect. And so, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, all right, cool. And the first five minutes were like unintelligibly, like, I just, I, it was hard to tell what was going on. And then there was a really heavy amount of like really bad voiceover. Like I'm, I'm looking for the word, but like, it was just a dead yeah. tone and it was all just straight exposition. It yeah. was just really poorly done. And then the film got so weird that I fell in love with it. So I hated <laughs> it at first. And then we get into this weird, like scene out of Andy Griffith with, uh, you know, mixed with Austin powers. Like it's, it, it's so weird. And like, I, I just, I loved it. I loved it. And from then on, the the stranger parts of the film would constantly draw me in, and then the fact that the director seems to suck uh, <laughs> would constantly draw me out, and so it's a bit of a ping pong match there. But I genuinely, or overall, I should say, overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Cool, Derek. What do you think? I agree with that assessment. I would say it's uh, it's a ping pong match. It is a uh, it is very much a the the worst parts are the best parts. Mm -hmm. In yes, some regards, absolutely. Uh, there are some scenes which should not be laughable that are, um, such as his, such as his monologue, Shaw's monologue when he's flashing back. Um, 
I'm not lovable. With yeah. with Jocelyn, yes. but yes. we love. were lovable. Yes, it was. Her glorious. father was lovable. <laughs> it what a lovable. The days were lovable. We the, were all lovable. The nights were lovable. <laughs> it was all. But then, mother. <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking keep doing this. Like you guys got to stop. It was. It went on for so I, long. It was accurate, and it was. Yeah. It was also. It was a double exposure over like. His, so his face is like Will Ferrell mm. cat pictured I'd on top of yeah. another Old scene. Opera in Owen Mills. Yeah. yeah, it looks. It looks like those eighty, those nineteen eighties glam glamour yeah. shots. Yeah. You know, yeah. the shit yeah. you get in the mall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was just <laughs> memories so, so, of a cat. The things that made this movie great. Were deliciously terrible, but I yeah. don't mean to talk over you, Derek. No, that's fine. That's pretty much yeah. So it's it's very much up or down. I uh, we'll talk about my final. This is first <laughs> thoughts I know. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I will say my first impressions real quick are I I did like it. I did like all the historical references to McCarthy. I thought that was kind of cool. I liked Angela Lansbury as a character. She was an awesome villain. I was genuinely su- was genuinely surprised at the twist. I. Kind of, I did not see that coming completely. So mm. I thought that was kind of cool. I did see her as a villain, but not as that kind of villain. Mm. So that was cool. Um, as Sean said, the writing and the acting leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's un- unfortunate. But it is weird and unintentionally funny, and I can't knock that. So I would say it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, he did, uh, so So to get back to uh, to this gentleman, he did direct some interesting stuff yeah. later um like ronan yeah uh, he was the director of ronan that's probably out of his out I of all the stuff he did my, i didn't see that one ronan notoriously or i'm sorry famously has a great chasing car yeah. chasing mm. yeah uh he also did french connection 2 yeah oh boy <laughs> yeah. picked up that this one. time it's more and racist. of course a a legendary film uh that he actually took the job of directing from someone else from Richard Stanley I believe was his name uh The Island of Dr Moreau oh. this is the guy who finished that film don't forget Reindeer Games. That's Reindeer the, Games. Yeah, some of the, some of the choices true. they made in this movie too, though, were so bold. Like you what? know, from a directing standpoint, like what? So, like to put everyone out of focus. For, well, no, so <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know what the bold fuck choice. was going on there. Um, <laughs> but uh, so there, there were just a couple of choices that, like, uh, this seemed to be like kind of a tentpole picture from the time yeah. and he's he's doing the second shot to the head on the senator in the kitchen to make sure he's dead and and his girlfriend's like just dropping her fucking top on the first day she meets him because he's got a snake bite for no reason but like either way there there the film was a lot bolder than than cinema of the time mm-hmm. seemed to get away with being and it's like how did this get away with so much shit the blood on the stalin the, was yeah that incredible. was yeah that, that and, they did that. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, you you don't you don't see in pictures of the time like uh, when Isling gets shot in the head, you see the bullet hit him in the fucking face. You see the squib on his noggin, yeah, or however they did it. I don't know. Um, uh, and the, the guy that gets shot through the uh, through the milk jug. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what I was talking about with the senator. You know, he does the double tap on his okay. fucking head, and it's cold as shit. It feels yeah. contemporary in its its brazen violence. You didn't see stuff like that back then. I didn't think. I suppose. So this is such a such a more. I guess what I'm really saying is like it's more brazenly violent and sexual 
than anything I've seen from from the time period. Well, I think we yeah. are starting to get into that time period. Dude, this though. was 62. Yeah, yeah. We've seen, you know, I mean, like our latest films that we've done so far, like I think 67 was the latest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've still seen nothing to this level of violence I and suppose. sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sexuality, I think we've, like, there was no actual nudity in this. It was all, like, it felt like haze code and implied sexuality. Yeah, but it wasn't well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So. You know, like, I still think that some of the sexuality in this movie was, like, more, probably more gratuitous than even, like, Woman in the Dunes, you know, where mm-hmm. there actually was real nudity. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. This yeah. was just gratuitous. Yeah. This, this felt like like Michael Bay was yeah. off camera doing blow on an iPad, Having, but somehow uh, it was 1962. Yeah, yeah. Asking a 15-year-old Jessica Fox to dance. Listen, yeah, Frank, Megan Fox. Frankenheimer, Fox yeah. Frankenheimer literally did this in Reindeer Games with Charlize Theron. He hmm. made made her do nudity, I'm pretty sure. And I don't think she wanted to. I think she regretted it or something. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. And Frankenheimer, the same director, did this in Reindeer Games? Yeah. Ra- wow. Reindeer Games and this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. That's but Hollywood. I, I mean, but I guess it's like, that guy's eating healthy. <laughs> uh, one thing you mentioned about the sexuality is interesting. I was just reading um, about the book. and the book It's based on a book from 1959. Yeah. And the book has Angela Lansbury, when she gives uh, her son the final orders, have sex with her son. I got book. that very heavily. So yeah. instead, they compromised and Do had her kiss, kiss him yeah. and, and the weird kiss on the neck. That kiss. was always, yeah. But, but it was always there. But I think the explicit incestuous sex in a book movie would be absolutely insane even today yeah. that's too much yeah i mean honestly it's in, just like, too much Thrones, at all it's, it's kind of on the nose like i guess it can work in a novel because that's not how you have sex tim i <laughs> can't believe it <laughs> <laughs> so many lies <laughs> i have to go <laughs> All right. All right. Well, yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the whole story and kind of in general and the plot here. So, uh, Tim, why don't you take us through it? And, yeah. uh, you know, hold on. Let, in the let me close the hinge app here. Just one sec. Oh, oh great. Uh, all right. So the plot <laughs> centers on the Korean War veteran Raymond Shaw, the progeny of a prominent political family, which I kind of got a, a strong Kennedy vibe from. Um, which we'll talk about later. Mm. But Shaw was a prisoner of war uh, during the conflict in Korea and while being held uh, was brainwashed by his captors. After his discharge back into civilian life, he becomes an unwitting assassin involved in an international communist conspiracy. Officials from China and the Soviet Union employ Shaw as a sleeper agent in an attempt to subvert and take over the United States government. Um, there's a little more to that because there's there's another, uh, there's a subplot uh, between him and his mother where it's, you know, he's completely at odds with his family and his station that he was given in life. And then it turns out that his mother is in fact the villain and the U.S. operator for the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. What's crazy is that he got, um, it seems coincidental, right? That he was the one who got captured and brainwashed like that? Or was that purposeful? No, she, it was purposeful was because intense. he was the only one that had those connections. Oh, and then, right. And, and she said this too, I'm sorry. Yeah. She said like, they they chose you so they could basically use me better. Exactly, yeah. to, to make them closer to the, right. to that the makes cause. Sense, yeah. yeah, but- That's uh, a cool, by the way, that, like, I thought that yeah. was actually really interesting. Like just, just her as a character, as a double agent was really, really cool. I like yeah. how they didn't forcibly make it another- you know, they could have used the Fu Manchu stereotype that they did before. They could have done a Russian stereotype, but they, they made it this kind of creepy woman that was your own mother. Give it sort of a Hitchcock feel almost. Yeah, but it's, 
it's the it's your mother too. So it's like that. It's like be aware of your parents. Your parents are the ones who might be the ones who are telling on you. Oh wow, yeah. Well, that and she was the or they were the loudest and most vocal anti-communists. Which so is, they were the ones that were you know accusing everyone. Totally. I got then, a pretty liberal like undertone from all of that. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it definitely anti-McCarthyism. Yes, very much sure. so. Which who it was pretty much the exact uh, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, you you said it before. What Joseph McCarthy? No, no, his uh, the character who who's the uh, analogy. Oh, Isley, the guy from Iceland, Iceland, the guy Iceland. from Fringe, Joe Iceland or something. Uh, yeah. But either way, yeah. So the film was released, and it's also like oddly contemporary for its time of release because it was released right in 1962, like right in the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting they used Korea. That right. They couldn't use Vietnam, I guess, because we were barely in Vietnam at all. Yeah. Korea was what was going on right. back then. Yeah. It, I mean, it was over at that point. I mean, the Korean War was over, to be honest. But like, because I think the Korean was over fifty five or fifty four. But oh. but but definitely still all of that was, and you could see that we didn't differentiate right in sixty two. Vietnam it was, was just more like, of a French conflict in sixty two. Right. Anything. That's true. We involved ourselves, but at the time, I think what's interesting is to me they. It, like in that little Austin Powers scene, yeah. right? it really is a communist from every country, right? There's the Russian, there's the Korean, there's the Chinese guy, there's the Vietnamese yeah. guy, right? That bad, and, and and that's how kind of how I assume Americans viewed them. They're just we're not going to even differentiate. They're just Chinese, right? They're just the, the the bad communist in Asia, you know. Sorry, yeah, sorry for my. It's accent. a pretty good Matthew McConaughey impression. <laughs> I apologize again for that. <laughs> I will never do that again. Just letting <laughs> listeners know. Thank you. Um, okay, so. Tim, or you know, let's, let me ask Derek. Um, Derek, did you like the story overall? Did you find it believable? I mean, I, I, I think so for the time and everything. I thought it was pretty, it's pretty um, interesting. I mean, obviously, like we all know that that's not really how the science of any of this works. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, it's not how hypnotism <laughs> works at all. It's just it's uh, not it's just, just a red queen in no. a in a solitaire deck. No, and if you have fifty two of them, they work yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. The, more, the more queens in the deck, the better. I can imagine in sixty two, nobody knows that. You know, my favorite part of that. If only Benicio <laughs> del Toro had known that in Sicario, it right? It was such like a different movie. it was like he lost his energy. Like, oh, here's here's more of the plot. Here's more of the plot. Oh, I need another queen of diamonds to recharge my my. Plot. Plot device. <laughs> so just yeah. like, give me another one. Oh, now I remember. Oh, here's another one. Oh, you, you need another reminder? Here's, here's another 52. queen. Oh, but what about 50 times that amount? And he's holding them up on either side of his <laughs> face, so too. Silly. Like, here's Johnny. Like, But there was there was the big thing about the, the girlfriend showing up in the queen outfit, or the queen of diamonds outfit. Right. And yeah. And that never triggered anything, though. You're right. Like, was, in was, nothing, in, like, yeah. it was supposed well, to be the, interesting. Yeah, it kind of no, no, was no, a, no, I think it did. It, red it, it, it made her, wait, so he, she left, Angela Lansbury left with the Queen of Diamonds, am I right? From the room. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. sitting there waiting for orders. Yeah. And I, I think what happened was she came in with the Queen of Diamonds and then basically said, come with me. And then he came with her. Right? Oh, he, like, and that's so when he, they got like, married. Like, oh. Oh. Right. But he was going to marry her anyway, so it wasn't like <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, but I, she, he was he was commanded to do it, right? I suppose. Okay, but what are the chances of her wearing a fucking Queen of Diamonds outfit? Yeah, what? that I, it's pretty that, good. I, if you put so, the script. I thought that was going to turn out to be. I thought that was going to turn out to be something though. So I thought like the mother would have planted that costume or yeah. like we I missed it. So too. We, I well, so we too. probably missed it's it. Probably. Chekhov's Queen of Diamonds. Yeah, I, exactly. 
I think we missed it. I think there's a conversation on the phone where uh, she's like, I don't know what to wear. And she's like, well, you should do something maybe, I don't know, uh, something like queen-like, but not a queen. <laughs> and then like kept feeding her and said, oh, no, no, no. We've got somebody coming dressed as that. We've got... Until finally right. the girl arrived at a card and she's like, yeah, do that. And hold on, that's scene, my theory. It has to be a very small that, card. A that very is tiny probably, card. Yeah. Sadly, that, that sounds probably, exactly yeah, like dialogue from this that's movie. That's the thing. Is that's like, an 18 and, minute. And it's, it's the shortest scene. <laughs> <laughs> and it occurs also on a train. <laughs> oh, yes. <God>. yes. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Okay. We got to get to that too. The train scene. Okay. So we get Janet Lee, which is nice. She's fantastic you in know, this. It's a nice little mm -hmm. cameo. This is actually yep. the first and only time I've ever actually seen her in anything oh, other really? than I saw her in How. Halloween H2O, you know? <laughs> you never seen Psycho? Mm. Uh, no. Oh, wow. We're going to have to watch that one. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Eh. I'd love that. At some point. Eh. Come on. She's in Fuck Psycho? Hitchcock. But but just to, just to see what the fuss is about, eh. you know? Anywho, <laughs> the train scene. Uh, so we meet Janet Lee on the train. Uh, she gives him a cigarette when he needs one. She's He's really sweating. into a drunk bastard. <laughs> it's, it's really easy to pick up. Can we, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't Go believe ahead. she didn't turn out to be a double agent. Right. Yeah. I agree. what the fuck? I they agree. Ab absolutely. There, there were a lot of loose ends that never got tied <laughs> up. Felt like a setup. Yeah. Yeah. And her, the way her story was so weird, like she, she just left her husband randomly. That and, was and after, <laughs> Yeah. After meeting him on the train for 10 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, so that, who's this director? And too. how does he understand interpersonal <laughs> relationships? Because like day one, people are proposing in this movie more than one time that happens. Like, and the dialogue too, the way she delivers that dialogue in the taxi about that, she's like, I kissed him on the cheek for the last time, it was, it's it was like so what? weird. So yeah. People don't talk this way. But, no, but no, they since don't. it's a movie Especially about, like, it, I think it's the fact that the what the director was trying to do, I think, was he wanted you to suspect everybody, mm -hmm. and he did it with not a broad brush, but in fact, one of those big old fucking brooms that you sweep the like warehouse with, you know, sure, home sure, right sure. paint stick. He's yeah, using exactly. a sledgehammer. Yeah. He's using a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. just like whoa, this guy does not use a lot of fucking restraint. It's just <laughs> incredible. There's like no human interaction really in this movie. Not really. No, zero percent. Like it's all like that's ro that's what very robots true. That's would. Very true. Think is human interaction. Right. And, okay, <laughs> you know, it's like a, if I it's can, the first AI script. Advocate. I think. Yeah. Let me try to play devil's advocate here because I think you're absolutely right. But I think that's cool some ways because it's trying to say that we're all brain brainwashed in some ways, right? We're all everyone in this movie is brainwashed by someone else, right? Angela Lansbury is brainwashed by the Soviet Union. They're you know brainwashed by someone. Even like all the senators are brainwashed. Like even the you know the senators brainwashed by his wife. Everyone's kind of controlled by someone else, I think, yeah. is the-, the Who's the senator he kills brainwashed by? Well, he's the only good one. But he, right, that's he's, why he's he dies. The and he dies. Yeah, that's right. fair. Yeah. yeah, and he can't survive in this world. Um, and neither can his nice daughter, Jocelyn. Poor mm -hmm. Jocelyn. Yeah, Poor she Jocelyn. really just got another, caught up. Another it. oddly yeah. violent thing. He shoots his fucking fiance Oof. in the forehead. That Wife at that point, also, I think. Also, I've never seen a Wife, silenced yeah. revolver before. That is weird. That was a weird one. Yeah. 
interesting choice. It yeah. felt it felt like he was like this is very American. Like yeah. he wanted to be like this is the American gun, the Colt. I well, guess I think like, they were also you have going to have, like, for like a special barrel for all that shit too. Well, I, right. I think they were going for like that specialized sort of like um, you know secret weaponry stuff because you know she gives him the rifle that's the Russian rifle that's true, the two true, that true, he puts yeah. together and like, the end, the, like early James Bond kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know this is stuff that is like not easily accessible by normies. Well, uh, while we were quickly talking about Janet Lee, I, I was reading that on the, for, for the train scene, she actually was uh, given her divorce papers from Tony Curtis. Fuck. <laughs> wow. Right before the train scene. Jesus. And that kind of explains No wonder she was bit. really trying to get... <laughs> <laughs> she, maybe she just wanted to stay on set forever and she just didn't want to go back because she was just so, oh. so traumatized. Yeah. You know, because wow. that now, scene I would really actually have, so I, I wish I knew that before seeing... The Did, performance. She was actually with Frank for a while, wasn't she? With Frank Sinatra? Frankenheimer no or Frank Sinatra? Sinatra. Oh, I don't know them. We have to check I, out. I mean, Frank was with every yeah. leading lady, so, you know, I assume he does a movie with I actually didn't even someone. barely recognize him in this, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm not super well, familiar without with the, his Well, without the color, uh, you can't see the blue eyes that, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose he's just, you know, he's not wearing a fucking lounge suit. Exactly, yeah. Although his hair looked a lot lighter than I thought it would be, even though mm -hmm. I know it was not colored. Yeah. But it, when it was also like, or like a flat top, yeah. you know, he probably normally had a slightly longer style. Well, yeah, he's 30 years younger in this movie than I'm used to seeing him. So like- That's also is, crazy. Um, I don't really want to start this conversation, so I'm just going to say it real quick. <laughs> uh, uh, Ronan Farrow is Jesus. obviously Frank Sinatra's. Oh, yeah. Um, looks exactly like him. Yeah. Uh, That's a thing. All I just want to say. Okay, okay yeah. we're moving on. <laughs> Isn't yep. that like confirmed? That's I don't think it's like... confirmed. It is oh, not, really? confirmed. not confirmed. No, but... it is not confirmed. I always mm -hmm. thought Ronan Farrell was a girl. That, well, there's, um, it, it, I, I think that was true at some point. No. What? Hmm. Ronan Farrell? Believe so. Ronan Farrell's a trans man? No, he's just a gay man. Ronan Farrell, he is, he's a sister. You maybe think of his sister. Okay. I thought there was only one of them. While they look this up, I'm going to talk about plagiarism from the uh, from the Manchurian Candidate book because apparently the novel has been accused of being plagiarized, at least some passages. Shit. Fairly recently, in like 1998, was I guess when they when uh, when somebody discovered this um, that basically there's a whole like long passages of it that basically were ripped from a 1934 novel called I Claudius. Uh, and then Jonathan Lech uh sorry, I butchered his last name. Jonathan Lethem, uh, in, in the ecstasy of influence about plagiarism, uh, a plagiarism, he identified uh, this as one of those numbers of like cherished texts that has become troubling to their admirers because of the discovery of plagiarized elements. So, huh. um, why would you plagiarize yeah. this? It seems weird, right? And <laughs> the story's kind of interesting. No, no, I'm just being facetious. Yeah, I mean, the, the execution was really the problem. Yeah, and I, I, I it wonder like too. Feels like a first time directing thing. Is I mean, this his first it, time? if it's, uh, well, this is the author who plagiarized. No, it yeah, for yeah, the novel, yeah, not necessarily the director. So uh, um, I was, I was going off a of mouth. Yeah, but um, I mean, it, it feels like I. For a novelist, if you're doing whole passages, it might be like levels of description. It might be like, you know, uh, certain, it could even be certain things about history or something about some occurrence or something. I, yeah. I don't know the particulars of it, but um, I could see that, 
as opposed to the dialogue, because you probably couldn't really <laughs> couldn't really plagiarize dialogue as easily, right? Yeah. Um, but anything else, I you know, if it's like one of his, it looks like it is uh, his second novel, perhaps. Hmm. Um, uh, produced one year after the oldest confession, so maybe it's maybe maybe that was his. Maybe that was his reason why. Maybe he was just, you know, you know just what? a I, copycat. I know Under that we're, pressure from we're, the... Yeah. We're insulting the dialogue, but I just want to say I did like a couple lines, right? Even though... A couple out of an there's entire some, there's movie. Some, I know, I know. But there, it's something to be said for making a memorable line, I think. <laughs> I think. Right, I think. Yeah. yeah. Don't disagree. The lovable thing is obviously silly, but it is memorable, the lovable soliloquy. But mm-hmm. then we also have the kindest, warmest, gentlest, bravest man I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking uh, about Sean right now. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I thought that was really great the way they used that. I don't know. I thought that was really. It the, was, it was great. Yeah. The, the moment where the, uh, the one soldier is in bed with his wife and he's like doing really horrible acting, talking about the dream he just had and like waking up from it. And then like he shifts and you know, goes into that bravest, warmest, most lovable right. person or something. Yeah. It was just like one of those moments that like really just stuck out as like unintentionally funny yeah. and just kind of like almost quintessentially what this movie is. Just yeah. like unintentional comedy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, Sean, is this movie racist? Um, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, that was the style of the time. Um, so just to backtrack a second for a correction before I forget, uh, I was wrong about Ronan Farrow. I was thinking about Chaz Bono, um, and you were correct. It is still conspiracy theory that it is, that he is, uh, Frank Sinatra's son. Um, as far as the racism in this movie, I mean, so the... I guess the context of the connotation that at least needs to be understood is coming out of the Korean War and being in the Vietnam War, there is, you know, an anti-Asian propaganda that is, you know, just part of America at that point. So, you know, to single this out and say in hindsight that this is a racist movie is, I mean, yes, it's probably true, but it's also just a reflection of the the time period. What do you think about some of the racial caricatures? I mean, there, the, the problem with going off on that is that none of the other characters in this movie are fleshed out. Like, okay. there is no one here that is real. So, yes, everyone is a stereotype. But even the army people are stereotypes. The housewives are stereotypes. The white people are stereotypes. The Chinese people are stereotypes. The Russians are stereotypes. Everyone in this fucking movie is a stereotype. They, they're making a very they, good case that it's a racist movie. They right? do, but they yeah, do, I, however. I'm not saying play, it's not. No, I, I think you make devil's the advocate, actually. They yeah. do. I'm sorry, Ken? No, they do cast black actors in positions of relative power without drawing attention to it, which is oddly progressive for the time. Okay, yeah. okay, that's true. The senator. Yeah, he was yeah. a senator he worked with. No, that and also the uh, the other uh, the operative. Uh, yeah, the yeah. other, no, not the other soldier, but the other operative uh, that he was working, that uh, Sinatra was working with. Oh, I thought he was a senator or The something. weird wire okay. room or whatever. That, yeah. That's also very true. Sinatra was like fairly anti-racist. 
Um, I mean, oh yeah, no, he's the good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just in general, yeah, like, yeah. you know. I, I think but the tone right. of the film did not seem like. I mean, those That's caricatures true. were true, absolutely, because you know they've got like the 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 Chinese guy that looks like Doctor Robotnik with the oh. fucking glasses and yeah. the mustache. And no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and you got your creepy skeletal Russian man, you know. Mm-hmm. But you reminded me of something, and that Frank Sinatra's character is obviously the protagonist in many ways, but he's also, he made a comment about the Fu Manchu characteristic, didn't he? He said something about it. He's like, he's not your average Fu Manchu stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like, I know that's not great, but it's he's at least- He's acknowledging know, that he's it acknowledged- is a stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Right, which is which interesting. Is, he's yeah, kind of woke for the time. Yeah, it, yeah. Betra- it betrays a deeper understanding. Right. It's not common for cinema. Though. That's true. So the that, other thing I might point true. out is I'm- I'm suspecting that this movie might be one of the, uh, or might be the movie that employed the most black actors in that time. Um, you know, I mean, just with that scene with the one guy imagining from his perspective, the black uh, soldier was looking out into the crowd and seeing everyone replaced with black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Tim said, it is one of like the other characters we had, like uh, the head psychiatrist or psychologist in the the war room meetings was, you know. So I, I mean, it's yeah, I, it's I just be, ha- yeah. I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's then. pushing the line. Oh yeah, and I'd be very interested to see what movies before. And after that, until the Vietnam War and movies started being about the Vietnam War instead, mm. what movies employed uh, black actors to play soldiers? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, without drawing attention to it yeah, for yeah. some sort of gimmicky that's true. Uh, reason. You know, um, that's a great. And I forget when the integration of the army was. I, yeah. it's, just, it's right around this time. It was an yeah. integrated regiment without. Well, Drawing attention and the to first, it. Yeah. The first time that you're really going to start casting black actors to play your soldiers is for the Vietnam War because uh, disproportionately young black men were sent to go fight that war. I don't you think know? there were any black people in MASH, were there? Um, uh, but MASH was technically about the so Korean in, War. That's what I'm saying. In 1960, um, oh, a yeah. young Sidney Poitier was in All the Young Men. Mm. Mm. Um, but that's just Sydney Portier. How many? In, well, yeah, that's true. It was a Korean War film. I was just bringing yeah, it up. Yeah. Oh, but that that is fair, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it centers on him and his uh, struggle to win trust and respect from the men. Yeah. yeah. So, also, two years prior, and a big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. And the this, whole right. movie is just about like, <laughs> yeah. look, he's in the army. Exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and so, in in a way that in, in a of itself kind of mascots him and is racist yeah. in a tacit way. So mm. this movie is racist, but it is more woke than its time. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. not forget <laughs> about the Asian people. I think that's the key. Here. That's the thing is yeah. this movie is racist, but yeah. it's oddly woke in weird ways. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 Definitely, maybe not as a, is racist towards black people, but it's probably a little more racist towards. But Asian again, people. we were in the middle of yeah. wars. Exactly. Equally misogynistic as well. Sorry, go ahead, sir. Just that we were in the middle between two wars against Asian countries. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, and also don't forget about you know, Jap- Japan wasn't that far off from World War II, and we had Japanese internment camps. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that you know, I mean, it still would be nice to before. have an HBO Max announcement before it that this film is of its time. You know, just in case. Honestly, I think just we're at a case. point where every movie every single has one needs to, to be just, because yeah, yeah, it's in there. There, I mean, we're gonna have to create context for for everything. The yep. truth is, if you know history, it's okay. But the thing is, not a lot of people will just be like, "Oh, 1962." I know it was going on 1962. Exactly. It's just no, that's right. tough to say. So you can't just have like a quick history lesson right before every movie. It's just not right. not feasible. Although that'd be awesome. 
I like a it would a be quick cool. Title card could happen, but like not introduction. Really. Like 1962, get, here's some bullet points. I get TCM <laughs> introductions. I want an introduction it's to the movie. Like, yeah. talk about the, you know, climate. Yeah, get uh, Joe Bob Briggs in here. No, yeah. you can get Kevin Smith to do it. He's got the time. <laughs> <laughs> How about Kevin Spacey? I hear he's got a lot of time. Hey, I'm, I'm used to just doing <laughs> ben, the ben Clerks Mankiewicz. movies uh, intros, but ben Mankiewicz uh, would do this it. one's 62. Let's talk about some of these actors, not Kevin Spacey, of course. Let's talk about Frank, Frank uh -huh. Sinatra. Mm. Uh, this is our first movie with Frank. He's a singer, I hope. I hope it's our last movie with Frank. Like, he he was the best in this movie. I'm surprised you said nah. that too. I, I thought he was fairly good. I Didn't thought he was okay. Compared to everyone else in this movie, the he was an actor. The best part of his acting was the sweat on his upper lip. Okay, we How gotta talk about that. How fucking sweaty is that Dude. motherfucker? Uh, okay, yes. so let, no, I, we have, I have a lot of theories here, guys. Um, <laughs> I think it's meant to say- It's, it's makeup, but yeah. No, it's tacit, tacit, like the first shot you see of him, he's sleeping in bed fully clothed. Mm. He's always sweaty. Oh, just He has uh, trouble sure. lighting yeah. a cigarette. Sure, sure, sure. This guy's an alcoholic. yeah, yeah. You know, he's struggling with demons. He's an alcoholic. That's that's really, I think that's what that point is just being, you know, uh, like Joey said earlier, it's just being hammered in with a sledgehammer. Yeah. You know, there's no subtlety whatsoever. I think you're absolutely right there, but I think they used it well in some ways because when he was supposed to be a hero and he was like <laughs> confronting people, they took the sweat away from his upper lip. Mm. True. So they made him. Look, he, I didn't, yeah. I'm talking about like two or three scenes. That's like, a low bar, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I also think like, are they spraying it on? Is the makeup person like yeah. really coming in? I there think and it's a Vaseline it? thing. It just looked weird too because it was only on like three places. It was like his forehead and mm -hmm. his upper lip. Yeah. Well, it's so, not supposed to move, so it's got some sort of an oil in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the same thing they do with tears. I'm not. Really I just too. didn't. Well, I didn't it most was, of the time today, they use the spray on um, uh, skin. Uh, what do you call that? Suntan screen or whatever. Um, Oh. I don't know what they would have used back then. Huh. That's I believe he smart. just suffered from hyperhidrosis, you know, which uh, <laughs> causes you to sweat. It's you just know, when you're on stage, you're expected to sweat. That's, it, yes. that's an oddly specific eight, knowledge. Eight million Derek. Americans have that. So. <laughs> He's just one of eight million, you know? I mean, that's funny guy. It's, it's layers, man. There's layers in this movie of like scientific fact. You know, there's not many the, people in film well, history that have represented those eight million. That's right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 This is a you shout know, out to them. That should be <laughs> also another way in this movie being super woke. Yeah. In that oh, intro on the HBO Max thing yep. with the TCM person, we need to have a discussion. Watch, discussion we're gonna we're gonna that. see a bio of John Frankenheimer <laughs> and growing up, he was like he always suffered from a sweaty upper lip, <laughs> and he was teased about it every day as a kid. He so was, in his movies, he had to make sure that every protagonist had these sweaty upper lips. <laughs> he wasn't allowed on the wrestling team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really it, it really held him back. <laughs> okay. Um, they called me Sweat Lip Frankenheimer. But <laughs> it was real tough. <laughs> tough Sweat Lip. It's a hell Sweat Lip. <laughs> and I'd be like, someday I'm going to make movie pictures. <laughs> You'll and see. they'd be like, this You'll is the see. 20s. We don't even fucking know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank Sinatra. Um, I did think he was. Pre I don't have to transition out of that. Frank Sinatra, I, I think he was pretty good. I do think he was pretty decent compared to. What's his name? Raymond's bullshit. Yeah. Raymond Shaw. Honestly, disagree. I what? liked you, Lawrence. Wow. You liked a piece of wood? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, <laughs> honestly, there were just parts of the movie where I was like, is that Steve McQueen? <laughs> That's McQueen? insulting oh, to Steve McQueen. Oh, man. Steve McQueen has way more charisma than that fucking. Kind of looks like him. You know? Yeah, but like. He's like a transatlantic Steve McQueen with Botox. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's nice. Mean, yeah, but that's nah, not yeah, enough. It's to... just a little more robotic. And... Okay. <laughs> Anywho, I think the movie would have been a lot better if he maybe had a little bit more charisma. But then again, he is a brainwashed idiot, supposedly. But, but he the, also but he's supposed played... to switch between. Right. He's, yeah. supposed be, yeah, he's supposed to be a Congressional Medal of Honor. And he's yeah. Supposed to be a, yeah, you're it right. He kind of plays like a, like a Ryan Philippe-esque character, you know? Like... You look, we'll, we'll just get that to that spoiled little rich brat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the haircut is really, it's really throwing you. You keep picking guys with the same haircut. No, no, it's just that, like, right? I don't know. Okay, no, I can see that. Like, like, like especially his character. What would and, um, mother think? You know, like that kind of. Yeah. Could oh. be. Could be. Yeah. I, I, I think I just he's like the a Lincoln lawyer the he, other day. He's like Sorry. a lesser, lesser <laughs> Joseph Cotton, if you will. If we go back to like the third man with Joseph Cotton. Oh my God. That's oh, a deep like he's a, boy. He's like a lesser version of that guy. Yeah. Because it's still kind of, he's, Joseph Cotton was a little wooden in that mm-hmm. at parts, you know. Um, this guy's a lot more like, you know, like a piece of driftwood. It lands on a shore of emotion every once in a while. I don't think the fault is on him though. It's beautiful. not his acting. It was, it was just like, Mark I think that. the film was just wildly poorly directed. <laughs> It was his fourth feature in four years or something. Mm-hmm. He was just tired. Mm. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> like he just tired. didn't seem. I, I don't know. I, it feels like if you were making movies back then, they, like they were like, "Yeah, you make movies now. You get three a year." Like, <laughs> you know, they. Oh yeah, I mean, the contract that was. A yeah, thing. yeah. Here you go, Manchurian Candidate. What What's this political is he was thriller? A relatively, oh, yeah, not waking relatively up for that. green director. Well, yeah, it did seem like show. a B movie that was just kind of churned out. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, it was and his he, third yeah. picture that year. Actually, it, it, yeah, you're right. But I think what it is standing, what stands out to me also is another great performance. We have to talk about her, Miss Angela Lansbury. Fantastic, actually. Yeah, she's very good. Yeah. Angela <laughs> Lansbury. She's I okay. Love you. Derek, hit the applause button. Yeah, is the applause button. Hang Hopefully on, she's still waiting button. for applause. She's still alive. She's still alive. Okay. All right. Thank I you, Sean, you. for hitting the applause button. <laughs> Can we look up and see if Angela Lansbury is still alive? Murder. Angela sure. Lansbury. Yeah, she's uh, she hosts on CNN. Oh, that's really great. Anyways, I think she was. <laughs> Why she's not alive, and I'm going to feel like an asshole. Oh no, she's 94. She's still alive. Yeah, she's still kicking. Great. Okay. Yeah. Even with the COVID. Awesome. Good for her. Stay away from the stuff. Wear a mask, Angela. Okay. Um, I think she, she was just really good. Like I, she could have easily overacted, right? There was a lot of monologues, a lot of especially with the rest of the directing, she could have. <laughs> yeah, but I thought she nailed. Maybe she didn't nail every moment, but she nailed ninety five percent of her lines. She's pretty good. She could have played it so much more arch than she did. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't, and that was a great choice. And I, I. Definitely think that that ball was in Angela Lansbury's court yeah, for that, yeah. you know. It came across mostly as meddling as opposed to evil until the very until end. Until the very, yeah, 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 which is exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. Some of my favorite shots were when she was in the foreground and the senator was in the background. And, she and was- nobody was in focus. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Really true. Uh, Just yeah. the grass. Just the grass. <laughs> there's, for, the, for the listeners, there's a scene where no characters are in focus. In the very beginning there's of like the- 20. <laughs> they yeah. walk through focus because the grass in between them is in focus. Yeah. It's yeah. the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. 
But I just thought she uh, she did a good job with her facial expressions. Is what I was trying to say. She, I think she she said a lot just by looking certain ways. She looks very controlling. She just that I don't know. I just really dug her character. I think Meryl Streep plays her character in yes. the new one, mm-hmm. which is yeah. interesting. I don't know. I think that's what they not tried. as much face acting. Wait, no. she plays Denzel's mom. Yep. Wait, how does that work? <laughs> is Den- Den- Wait, Denzel racist? No, 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 Denzel, no, no, no. Denzel He's the Manchurian candidate, right? No, Denzel's no, Frank Sinatra. No, no, no. Uh, that makes sense. And then Ryan Philippe is the fucking no, no, no. other guy. There's no Ryan Philippe. <laughs> get off Ryan Philippe? <laughs> I saw the Lincoln lawyer the other day. <laughs> Wait, don't they need to get someone Arabic? Oh, uh, good one, Sean. Oh, good, yeah. good transition. Yeah. I don't I still don't understand that, so I don't I, know what I, we're talking about. That was such a weird thing. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Is there, it, a, is there an urban dictionary thing there? Is there is there a slang term or, or Arabic? For well, them? yeah, because she says something like, let me rephrase. Are, do you want to fuck? Or like whatever it was. Uh, it was really, <laughs> yeah. Because they oh, both are you, ask each other. Yeah, let me rephrase. Are you married? Like, yeah. That was yeah. weird. I thought it was like, are you like colloquialism of the time or something? Arabic? I thought it was more. It felt like weird military code. Uh, like that's what I took it as, because I thought the whole scene was her being like an operative that's sent to activate him. Mm. That's yeah, what yeah. I was I thinking ass- the whole time. I assumed she was. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, so like, of course they're gonna be saying weird shit. I guess. Yeah. So all of the weird, because they say so many weird things. Right, right. But that's it's not like what it was. Each line is disconnected <laughs> from the other. They're, it's like they're talking to themselves in a fever dream. But it's well, happening he, on an Amtrak. Yeah, he's not talking to her, but she's talking to him. Yeah. I just, <laughs> but what she's saying also doesn't make any fucking sense anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or are you married? Yeah. Well, let me put it another goes, way. Are you married? Yeah, it goes on so long about It's her. weird. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like a 10-minute scene. My, so many of these scenes in this movie are way too long. My first name's Betty, but my middle name's Rosie. All my friends call oh me my Rosie. Oh, my God. And I'm not, yeah. What was that? What should I call you? You can you, call me Rosie directing. if you want to be Do my you, friend. And It's just filler, is man. It, is it one of those things where, like, they, you know, just got her signed the day before, and they're like, oh, we got to throw her in this movie here, so write us some pages. I feel and, like it is. Like, it felt like one of those, like, Was Will Janet- Ferrell, like, uh, improv scenes or something it that they just kind of, like. feels to me like they have the script, they have all that, and then they get her signed, and that's a big deal for them. Yeah. And part of that signing is, okay, she needs at least this number of lines in the movie. She needs to be on screen for this a many minutes. In the contract, yeah, yeah. it's like you I know get this I mean? much screen time. I get this many lines. Yeah, you know, and, and they're so like, they're okay, like, write something, fucking, write something, screenwriter, yeah, go. Yeah, she's from Winchesterton, Fieldville, uh, Iowa. Yeah, and uh, she announces that because because pretty much all of her scenes, except for the last one that she's in, where she's just laying in bed, uh, like has this really long nonsensical. Like progression to it, you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah. well, why are we doing so yeah. much? Of this so there is a little bit of an interview here mm. where she gets asked about it. He says, someone asks her, uh, Janet Lee, what's really going on in the scene on the train when you meet Frank Sinatra? She says, you can't tell whether I'm crazy or the bad guy or the good guy or what. John said it was the most difficult scene because Frank and Larry Harvey have had have had twenty minutes to capture the audience, and I've got twenty seconds. Okay. It still didn't do That's anything. Just bad it directing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, why is it weird? Oh, because you wanted it to be strange. That's So she's just a red herring? Is that like... A lot of things in this That's, movie yes, are red yeah, herring. Yes. A lot yeah. of things in this movie are just weird loose ends that are only made to make you suspicious. I th- 
and I which think is that's, cheap filmmaking. Yeah, that sounds to me like something he would tell her for to justify her doing that yeah, because yeah. she's not going to know that that's the not the, deal yeah, with the agent the or yep. the contract stuff like that. So I'm still going with contract. Guys. I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm on the contract board. Um, let's see. Any I'm other gonna characters? Go the majority. I'm gonna... What else can we talk about? <laughs> I don't understand their argument really. But... <laughs> <laughs> what was the contract? <laughs> oh yeah, should, the Just scene was contractual obligation. Anyways, Joey, listen so, to the podcast. The podcast being recorded. Doing. Yeah, we're, we're doing something. <laughs> I'll like have that. to listen back later, <laughs> and then we'll add in a little amendment next time. Next right, episode, right, we right. can stop right now and go back if you really want. I'd yeah. really rather not. Don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Gentlemen. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, shit. Are you ready to play the most wondrously fantabulous game to ever be thrust forth on the bowels of the internet? The only game on the web where I look up the numbers and you give me the names and I look up the log line and tell you the numbers and you get the gross. Today on the show, we're going he's to be looking at movies. Every time I get scared, he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm saying I, he's, a, he's a damn good vamper. You know, yeah. he's got a Gandolfini vibe. We're not sure if it's the last one, but <laughs> he gives it his all. 110% on that ticker. Don't forget to write it down, guys. That's the most fucked up thing I've ever said to you, Sean. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. a talented guy. Yeah, That's also true. Gandolfini. James Gandolfini rules. Fuck, I love man. him. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at uh, brainwashing movies. Brain Ooh, washing love it. movies. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. All right, gentlemen. Oh, god damn it. You All guys, right, hold good. On, they're not hold ready to forgot that they got to write down. You can type it in. Yeah, you're good. No, give me the. All right, okay. I got the thing. Oh, I'm good. Okay, I'm sorry. Good. I'm good. Tim's I'm not ready. I should I, I'm the one who's got the shittiest track record with this anyway. So, yeah, he does. That was also Tim. Of course it was. Being a superhero is in his blood. In the year 2020, directed by Dave Wilson, we have Bloodshot. What? Blood what the fuck shot. is this? Yeah, what the, this is the uh, fuck the, is this? This yeah. is the newest Vin Diesel uh, uh, oh, wow. vehicle. Give me uh, a count. <laughs> when was this released? This, this, this is very, do, very recent. This can we do is, negative? Uh, can we do negative of, money? This is one of the last movies to be released before the COVID. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't even know. I, I did, in fact, see this movie. It is, in fact, horrible. Um Oh, I guess I shouldn't be Aww. telling you these things. Yeah, stop talking. Um, okay. But uh, I'm writing it down. Yeah. I wrote uh, after it down. After he and his wife are murdered, uh, Marine Ray Garrison is re- uh, resuscitated. We don't need to know. It doesn't matter. Basically, yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of a live, die, repeat ripoff, essentially. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Derek. $8 million. $8 million, says Derek. Bold. Uh, Timmer. 115 mil. 115, says Timmer. And Joey. 500,000. $500,000. Bearing in mind that this is one of the last movies to be released before the COVID lockdown, this movie ranked, uh, racked in, or raked in, $10 million. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's Still a success considering yeah, yeah. they're going to say that's a budget a for success. That? No idea. They're going to mark that definitely How as a success. How the fuck can they mark that as success? Because of COVID. Yeah, but Vin Diesel you costs still, $10 You can't mark against the they're overhead. You cannot, you cannot mark that as a success. Oh, they're going to get some of that PPP money. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, you guessed yeah, it. You know who needs help, it. listeners? <laughs> they're going to get their payroll. Hollywood. The shitty studio in the world. Bail out Paramount. 
So the the uh, the budget was forty five million. That's still low. In the my, domestic like, opening was nine million, God. and the domestic total is ten million because yeah, it had like yeah. a week before theaters. Right? I don't know Jeez. why they. Ca- Vin Diesel is absolutely a non-starter since like two thousand seven. What part, are you talking? Yeah. Well, since Iron Giant, really, every single the no, that's no, no, pre-sold property. Yeah. That's pre-sold property. That's not Vin Diesel. He's part of it. He's mm. he, no. Since the that's pacifier, the movie he can't be attached him. to anything new that doesn't. The movie tank. goes without him. He can the. Fast and Furious will continue as a franchise, whether or not Vin Diesel is in it. Absolutely, because at That's this point, it, at this point, it's superhero movies, but the superheroes are cars. Exactly. Um, think about it; it makes sense. <laughs> um, but like, if if you look at his career, what's he done since like fucking? The Pacifier. What movies has he made that's not a Fast and Furious? Pacifier. I don't even know what year that was. That was a career killer for him. Like he was honestly, he was on fire until the Pacifier, and that movie made him a non-starter. And now the only thing that he can really do is these fucking Fast and Furious movies. Huge movies that make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. But he can't do. Well, no, he's also Groot. I mean, I get he's Groot as well. This bolsters my point. If anything, (laughs) why he makes tons of money for doing nothing. That's true. He's in nice. two but huge not, properties. You can't trust him to. You can't trust him to sell tickets. Is all I'm saying these days. All right, Sean. What's the next? But movie? he's collecting. <laughs> that all dough. right, gentlemen. So, <laughs> just so because I'm you're sorry. invited doesn't mean you're welcome. In 2017, directed by Jordan Peele, we have Get Out. <laughs> Sean just looked me right in the fucking eyes and said that, and it was the best part of my day. <laughs> Gone. Go Timmer, how much did Get Out make? Uh, Get Out made $75 million. $75 million. And Joey? 90. $90 million. And Derek? I went $129 million. $129. Uh, Derek takes it away again, and you guys have very little faith in Mr. It Jordan Peele. Right? This one had $176 million. It's actually awesome. That's, That's incredible. Should have known that. A runaway. Made a ton of money. What's the budget on that? God damn you. Uh, $4 million. Whoa! Yeah, that's why Jordan Peele is That's the, why he's hot. Yeah. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can turn $4 million wow. into $176 million, you're going to get a few whoa. more movie deals. That's cool. That is a yeah. fucking margin right there, dude. Yeah. That's that's what bank I don't even like know what that percent. Movies. Yeah, that's like in the thousands of, of percent. Yeah, yeah. That's too much math for me. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Divided. We Fall in 2016, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. We have Captain America Civil War. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Remember your history, goddammit. <laughs> fucking tentpole shit. Yep. Uh, so, Timmer, uh, what did Captain America Civil War make in 2016. You know, honestly, it was my favorite of them, so I think it probably did the worst, but maybe 168 million, I don't know. 168 says Timmer and Derek. I put a uh, 368. 368. Oh, faith in the machine. We, we did Indeed. 68. Well placed. And Joey. 220. 220. Well, Derek is kicking some ass on this game. I uh, came in at 408 million dollars that's just crazy it's just crazy money that's a that's a pretty good one though like of of all the marvel properties it is it's it's the best it's the best film 
Yeah. Anyone want to guess them? the budget on that? Uh, of all of them, yeah, probably because uh, it's a spy thriller. Twenty million. You know, it's not no, just no, no, like more than that. Two hundred something. Any other guesses? Two hundred something million. We're uh, guessing budget. budget. Oh, the budget. Oh, fuck me. Uh, two hundred fifty million. Yeah. Right on. Two fifty. Yep. Wow. It's nice. crazy. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. And it made it back too, which is and, almost and you know what crazier. the weird thing is, dude, is that all is on the fucking CG shit. Yeah. Uh, that and paying ten well, million pay, out for everyone. paying right. paying out the all the right. big name actors, yeah. but like everything else is on the back end because they totally. just. Yeah. I don't know how they act against that stuff. Oh no, yeah, it's all just fucking. I don't know how they do it. Puppets. There's and a shit. lot of a lot of actors that like don't. You know, I've heard a lot of stories from people that like just have guesting starring roles and yeah. stuff mm. like that, and they're not used to that oh, yeah, style yeah. of. Speaking of Vin Diesel, how they flabbergasted. how they get him to squeeze into that Groot suit? Yeah, yeah. How do they make him it's a tree? A, uh, it's a Groot suit riot. Hey, hey, Mister uh, Diesel, how do they get you to be the tree? Throw back a bottle of beer. Thank you. <laughs> Damn it! I, how you made me do it? God, I feel so dirty. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Put a comb through your cold Speaking black hair. Speaking of which, manners maketh the man. In 2014, directed by Matthew Vaughn, we have Kingsman: The Secret Service. Hmm. Kingsman. I know nothing about this movie, but it's a really good movie. But it, like a, everybody mm, says that it looks stupid okay. to me. Oh, it's stupid, but it's enjoyable. Yeah. He's straight up dumb. He's uh, just watch Heat. <laughs> that is neither stupid <laughs> nor enjoyable. Watch Heat for the 20th. <laughs> I do watch Heat a lot. <laughs> Derek, how much did the Kingsman make? Uh, I'm going to go uh, 168 million. 168 says D-Rock and Timmer. I'm going to go 198. 198. Oh. Yeah. And then Joey. I said uh, 100 even. 100 even. Probably going to win. Uh, yeah, Joey does take this one. This one came Slower. in at $128 million. Any guesses on the budget? Uh, Kingsman? Mm, $75 million. Oh, I'm going to go lower than that. Yeah, 15. I'll say 40. 81. Wow. Yeah. A lot of CGI wow. actually in that I'm destined to be yeah. a producer, gentlemen. Yeah, sounds like... <laughs> Just throw uh, money at the problem. That's what you do. Yeah. Even though Derek yeah, trust, has trust officially me won, <laughs> we're going to go with the last one on the list Derek here. Derek always wins. All right. Not yeah. always. Gentlemen, big cops, small town, moderate violence. In 2007, directed by Mr. Edgar Wright, we have Hot Fuzz. I like this one, Summer. You don't like it? It's okay. I don't, I, yeah, I'm, I'm hit or miss on Edgar Wright. What's your mm. favorite of us? Probably the video game one, uh, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah, I like Scott Pilgrim a lot. Well, what did Hot Fuzz make, Timmer? Uh, Hot Fuzz made uh, uh, $21 million. 21. Joey? 75. And Derek? $23 million. $23 million. Oh, so that's oh. what that look was for. Jesus, fuck. I guess Derek gets extra points for getting it right on $23 million what? for our Oof. extra special winner. I knew Way it didn't to go, Mr. Derek Laporte. You have just the gross better than anyone else could have possibly done. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody. Dude, you're like getting a bobcat. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's fan-fucking-tastic. It's incredible. It makes the game. Going. It makes the game. See how high the staircase goes, Sean. <laughs> Let's give him another game so he can bring that excitement to multiple games. 
All right. Yeah, that was very <sighs> fun. But we're going to move on to our least fun category. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Which is sound. Yay, yeah. sound. Oh, yeah, go get a yeah, beer. We all love it. So actually, back about there's a lot to like here, and there's also a lot to critique, I think. Um, Sean, I had a lot of trouble with the dialogue. Um, you mean just hearing it or um, discerning it from the rest of the mix? Let's or say both. <laughs> the recording quality or and that. <laughs> the level changes. Um, yes, and <laughs> all, all of that. No, seriously, it, it was very muffled. Um, it was tough to discern any of the dialogue. Yeah. The background sound was freaking distracting, just like you're hearing right now mm -hmm. with Derek That's and how that Tim. Works, yeah. yeah. But it was too distracting. It was just not mixed properly. Like you need to keep it down a little bit so you can speak above the stupid morons <laughs> in the background of your scene. Yeah. Um, it, it was distracting and there were like moments where the sound just totally got lost. Um, there was the scene, like one of the first scenes where they're like in a big political convention or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's the one that bothered me and they, Yeah, they start talking and like their backs are to camera and they're, ta they're talking as they're walking away. You can't see their lips moving. You can't even like, you don't have the benefit of reading lips at all. Like they- And that also bugs me too, Sean, because if your back's to camera, I'm thinking just put ADR in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? We don't see your fucking mouth. Just do it. You know what? You can't do ADR. You can't do in, in 1962. Bullshit. Yes, you can. I mean, you know, it's got to be harder, but you can do it. Again, I think this is just like a B movie that they were just kind of, you know, yeah. throwing out there. A lot <laughs> like, of production sound, like a lot of shots where you go to the wide shot and that sounds like you're fucking 30 feet away from the dialogue. Yeah. I was surprised. You don't have to do that. But yeah. they were just <laughs> so this one's pretty, pretty loud movie, huh? Next pretty high. Anyways, um, let's continue with the dialogue. <laughs> About the dialogue. So, uh, fine, we'll talk about the mix. No, you're right. It is, it's crazy. I don't understand what's going on. Here's part of it. It's, it's mixed in mono. So we're listening to everything through one channel. Yeah. So all the dialogue and all the effects and all the backgrounds are all mixed together. So when shit is mixed, you have to bring everything up or everything down. And it leads to crazy dynamic changes and you can't compress it. Hmm. Anywho, um, that's the problem. And it made it really <laughs> unlistenable at certain parts. We had to keep riding the volume on our remote control. Yeah. I think it was like... What it was like intentionally jarring as well. There are moments sure. that that was true. Yes. Yes. Uh, there there are moments of like where it gets quiet and whispery, and then the next scene is like a loud band. Or oh yeah, music was, or I thought stuff. there were like almost jump scares. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it was very typical of that. I tried to get the bottle opening sound on the microphone. It just didn't fucking work. It's it a works. twist off that doesn't. I heard there was it. there was oh, a little fizzy. Yeah. yeah, I heard it. Didn't care. Um, it is a sound segment. No, nah, yep. we don't care about this stuff. Care about sound. Hold, hold for sound, sound of beer opening. The music was composed by David Amram. Oh, Amram. Yeah. yeah. D. Amram, my fave. From Philadelphia. A wonderful Damn segment. Ram. Was there anything even noteworthy about the music? I will like, say there, were, there was there one. There was one cue. That was fucking great. Which Cut you, off. What cue. was it? Tim? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it was when he was talking about how everything was lovable and it was comically fucking bad. Oh. And when the, when he finally gets Music to the thing swells. that's not lovable, he mentions mother, and it cuts and it cuts so sharply and jarringly that yeah. it almost feels contemporary. Yeah. Um, it feels way ahead of its time. A lot of things in this movie feel way ahead of its time. I agree. 
Um, the editing, by the way, was nom nominated for an Oscar. Really? That is well-deserved. This movie was also nominated for an Outstanding Directing mm. uh, Award. I don't know if it was an Oscar per se, but uh, not deserved. I think just for the um, the brainwashing or the... the um, yeah, the hydrangea scene. Oh yeah, in uh, general, honestly, you know, that's honestly, right. yeah. that that yeah, yeah. Were, you know, that that's the good Definitely parts the of this movie of this were movie. so amazingly yeah. good, and it was just like, wow, how did he think of this? You but know, this I, is I so also, original. Yeah, I also think that that hydrangea scene was so much better because everything before it was so horrible, and that scene starts out really boring and horrible, and you think this movie is just absolute crap, and then all of a sudden, in the middle it, of that, yeah. you realize what's going and on. It, yeah. it almost made the boring part feel yeah. intentional, exactly, until you get further into the movie and you realize. That this guy's just super hit or miss. Totally. Um, but yeah, that like so many things in movies these days, everything you see that's really interesting in a scene is borrowed from something. It's all borrowed from something. And I don't know what that hydrangea scene necessarily is borrowed from, mm. especially if this book is uh, uh, plagiarized somehow. But like, man, that scene just felt super original. It yeah. felt original. I think it was. I think it was more original, or at least the visuals of it. Yeah. The way yeah. you cut back and forth. It, yeah, it felt like strange lovey or like yeah. just something super. It, it yeah. I'm going to give special, a, a sure. even more kind of like a, like specifically in audition, if you guys. I've never seen never that. Seen I know which one you're talking about. So there's a scene Fuck, where. It? We're under attack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been <laughs> listening to like periodic explosions. And it's the 4th of July in LA. You know, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned audition. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. Uh -huh. um, yeah. There's a scene where they're on like a date, and the way he shoots it is this is going to be really distracting. <laughs> the way he shoots it is uh, to where you get the sense that it's like multiple dates because he. Like has everybody in the background moves around and like all this. Yeah. And it reminded me so much. Like it felt like he totally pulled from from this scene yeah. uh, mm -hmm. of that. Because after a while, you kind of get a sense of, you get that idea of what's going on. Because it takes a bit as a, as a viewer. You're like, wait, what? And then yeah. you're like, oh, okay. So this is... Uh, this is what they think it is, right. and then this is the reality of what it is, and then those things kind of overlap. Sometimes it's yeah. him, sometimes it's uh, mm -hmm. the, the really lady. Really and, and Yeah, like pretty much, because like once you get the idea of it, then you're like, okay, and and like, wow, this thing's bleeding into this, like reality's bleeding into the fiction and played yeah. really well. Is yeah, it, it was, it's probably the best scene in it this is, thing yeah. it, by absolutely. far. Well, and it's yeah. done a couple of times. And the thing that I thought was fantastic was the tacit way in which each dream was tailored to the yeah. particular soldier yeah. experiencing yeah. that dream. Yeah, that's good. You point. know that that was so well done. So certain things in this movie, it's like, man, you really have talent as a director. Yeah. And certain things are just like, what the fuck are you fucking doing? Dude? <laughs> right, right. Quit uh, smelling gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> That scene also has really great music. And I actually wanted to mention that because it was my favorite music in the entire movie. Mm. It was when we first cut into the hydrangea, you know, garden scene. We have this really dissonant arpeggio played on this really like creepy, like organ mm. thing. And it's just, mm. but it's dissonant. It is Harpsichord? not, it, it, maybe, I do it sounds kind of like a harpsichord, yeah. but it's not at all like nice. It's not at all in any key. It's just completely off tune, off pitch, off key, you know, off rhythm. And I was like, wow, that is really cool. It's completely showing us that this is not real life. And as we're in a dream, and I immediately felt like something was off, and and obviously it looks weird too. But it, I think that was really a really 
standout moment in the music where a lot of the rest of the other stuff was more straight ahead kind of traditional non-diegetic music, which was good. But again, it didn't didn't blow me away or anything like that. So good job, David Amram, for that one part. <laughs> Amram. A- Amram. 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 Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Okay. So yeah, the mixing was, was rough. I can't really say that. I mean, I think again, it's because it's in mono, the version we saw, Ouch. it's tough to watch. You probably want to keep your remote controlled nearby. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And don't wear headphones through oh, this. Geez. I would Fuck. say your ears would yeah. be gone. Have you yeah. ever watched a movie with headphones? I've never done I, that in my I life. Oh, really? not, yeah. on an air, not unless I'm on an airplane. I have. It's worth it for some of the, you know, for, for newer stuff, especially hmm. some of this newer stuff. I'd um, do it for like video games. Like, yeah, if you have a really good pair of headphones and like, you know, you got shitty TV speakers, sometimes it's worth it. But. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, one more thing I want to say is that I know we were insulting the background sound about how mix was too mix was too loud for it, but there was actually a lot of great moments when they did use the background sound and how they basically mixed it down when there wasn't dialogue. So for instance, like when they when Frank Sinatra not Frank Sinatra, I'm sorry, when Andrew Lansbury and her son were basically walking out of the Senate chamber into like another room, they lowered it really quickly and nicely and then they mm. shut the door and then they and they opened the door again. So they kept increasing and decreasing the level of the background sound, you know, as you were perspective wise, which I thought was actually very clever and not nothing revolutionary nowadays. But in 1962, I was like, oh, okay, it's good mixing. They also did that sometimes with camera though. <laughs> like, yeah, but we'll yes. get there. Because yeah. they- the, there's a no. few things to be said about that. Well, well no, I just meant that like sometimes they would go from one shot to the other and the sound would change completely. So oh. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. It wasn't. There wasn't rules, and that, that's a shame. They, they could. They'd have to have rules. I think in each movie, just consistency. Yeah, yeah, that's all, and stick to them. Whether you want to, you know, keep the dialogue close if it's a wide shot, or keep it wide like it's a wide shot. You just stick to it. Now, I, I guess that's not quite true. I shouldn't say that. You know, you can break the rules if a like if a line of dialogue is important. Maybe make it sound like you're right next to them. Right, but in this, it just felt it. It had almost a documentary sort of feel to it, where it was like I agree. we were just kind of like hearing whatever camera we were on, and to me, that kind of distorted or disrupted the I guess verisimilitude of like being in that place. That's a good that point. Suspension of it's not that movie, You're right? It's it's not a cinema verite style movie. It's like but a, there it's are a, actually some shots where they are. go like that. I would say that's almost a pro. That's just him being inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I th- I think it should have been more surrealistic, cartoony. Yeah, I would say I, that would have been more interesting. I think just cons- a choice, a consistent choice. Yeah, make choice. All right. Well, let's get to it then. Let's talk about the camera, uh, Sean. What do you think? Besides, hold on. Let's not just say besides. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, just inconsistency. Unfortunately, <laughs> like some of the shit is really nice and well done. Like we were talking about with the. The uh, hydrangea scene. Um, I mean, you know, everything is very methodical and well planned out. And then all of a sudden we go to like these weird sort of almost documentary style shots where things are just handheld and like following random action and like not even with the characters anymore. And we just kind of feel like we're stuck in news coverage or just surrounded by, you know, chaos. I don't know. There's just like... it, it. it, and it seems like you could utilize that 
to help tell the story, like you could utilize that to say like, you know, these are the moments of serenity and these are the moments where we're in control. And then these are the moments of chaos, but it didn't really seem to be associated with that. It was just kind of like almost more convenience. Like, eh, we just kind of got to get this shot of the convention. So let's go handheld out of this cab right now. Cause that's kind of cool. And then like, we'll go into a bunch of tripod and dolly shots. And like, it's just, yeah, there yeah. was just the inconsistency to me was the biggest downfall. Yeah, you think he was just making it up on the fly kind of thing? I think so. Yeah. Like I said, that's why I kind of felt this movie was such like a B movie style. It just felt like, you know, we got some money, we got some actors, we've got a crew together. Let's make a movie. Uh, all right, let's get this done here. Uh, okay, let's just do this. It just seemed like every scene was a little bit like haphazard and kind of done on its own and slapped together to make a bigger monstrosity, almost like a, um, like a like a TV show or something that like there's a different director for every scene and then we put it together in the end to make some sort of larger story. Yeah. It, yeah, everything just felt disconnected. Then the, like we've mentioned already, the focus stuff. Like they kept trying to do these deep focus shots that they just didn't have the lens or the lighting to be able to do properly. And so you would have like the person in the foreground out of focus and the people in the background out of focus. And once in a while, one or the other would get into focus. And then we'd have shots where it was just a fucking close up and we'd go to Frank and he was in focus. And we go to the other guys and out of focus. So, yeah. oh my so God. Yeah. that scene where Frank was out of focus yeah. when he's deep programming, uh, Lawrence doodlebug, whatever mm. his fucking name is yeah, yeah. Shaw. Uh, when he's deprogramming Shaw, the reason that he's out oh, of focus- Oh, supposed to be POV with- No, 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 no. He was bad in, in all the subsequent <laughs> takes. Yeah, he's the first, oh, okay. So he was, he was known for that. But in this particular one, he was right just, on. he was he was good in the first take, but it was out of focus because somebody fucked up. Yeah. And in all the other ones, he just sucked. Right and the on. director ended up going with the good take. And the right. critics were like, oh, but it shows him from Shaw's display distorted point of view totally, yeah. you know yeah. which is why so when you're a director i'm glad you caught that you know like, <laughs> yeah no matter yeah. what people say i'm glad you caught that yeah. you know doesn't yeah. matter if you planned it or not dude shows you yes you, you a, fucking did you can yeah. get away with shitty uh focus and bad visuals but you cannot get away with bad well, it's sounds. weird because very too, true yeah, yeah they um they'll just say oh it's out of focus they they clearly didn't watch most of the film because uh there was no real choice of perspective on any of these None camera whatsoever. shots really and that's i think one of the things that sean's getting at there too yeah because it does feel like a bunch of different styles just mashed together there's some stuff in here that feels like french new wave <laughs> um like for instance um specifically one of the things that stands out to me of course the weird weirdness of the hydrangea scene and the way it's shot and everything that's that's pretty much kind of feels very french new wave but uh but the murder that happens when he goes to like kill the guy, and we have like two, which uh, one? Very uh, so, so the the, the milk shot where okay. he shoots okay. the guy through the milk. Um, the if you remember the the framing of it is like uh, it's a like a low angle of him, and like we see just there's so much headspace, mm -hmm. and it stands out so much. It's framed for the milk. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, the reverse. So of oh, the shooter, gotcha. it's like framed for some kind of like bird or some yeah. shit that's up in the background of okay. the shot. Um, but like things like that, that... I think it might be framed for her coming down the stairs later. No, no, no. Later, later it is. So specifically, she, until it happens, she doesn't come. This is before he shoots because she doesn't come down the stairs until after the shot happens. Hmm. And then she comes down and sees and then he 
But maybe what I'm saying is maybe his bad choice was that, you know, like we're expecting her to come down. It could be an accidentally good shot. That is possible. No, even that's a bad choice. Even that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Could be an accidental good shot, though. It could be differently dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Could be differently dumb or, yeah. But uh, uh, there's a bunch of that, like. The the thing is the thing is and one of the thing reasons why that hydrangea scene works is it kind of marriages everything that's going on with some level of perspective of these characters and what they're going through whereas we have other stuff that's very much like they don't know what they're doing they don't know they're not feeding into any character or any like perspective or anything like that they're just shooting scenes for like and trying to let the dialogue, I guess, carry the carry the story, and it doesn't work a lot. The know? dream scenes are the most real and believable scenes. Exactly. <laughs> because, because, and this inherently happens, right? A dream is going to be naturally a perspective yeah. of, a, of a person. Yeah. Even if, even if it, do, it does have like this weirdness of, okay, we're, we're, we're seeing Frank's, this is Frank Sinatra's dream, but he's not featured much in it. We're seeing like all this other stuff, you know, but it still is a perspective at least, yeah. you know? So, I don't know. I think an example of one of those really bad moments or bad scenes was when they were, Frank Sinatra was discovering what the Queen of Diamonds did and they were just breaking it down. Like, oh, if we have, if, if we, because we were back in the bar and it would have been in this part, maybe it's the Queen that symbolizes his mother. We're just like, yeah. okay, we're just sitting here watching you figure out the plot. Police uh, procedural. Yeah. It yeah. felt like a fucking police procedural. Oh, and, and they were, and they were taking turns solving the solitaire. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, okay, I, I get it. You have to kind of get to point A to point B, but there's, yeah, there's better ways to do it, I think. Smoother ways, yeah. I'm, I am interested, though, to, to know his process because I am curious to know if, if this was rushed. Obviously, it was kind of a smaller budget. If he was maybe just on set and indecisive and he was just – because some directors do just kind of shoot it many different ways and then just like, hey, well, I'll decide and post and think about that. It doesn't – It doesn't work. I haven't been able to find anything about the actual production shy of that one shot, but honestly, like – extrapolating from that information it does not seem like the the most together production yeah no you're right it it, uh, it has all the evidence of the opposite yeah it's just it's strange to me because he's got such a good reputation he's done so many movies but maybe this was just early in his career like you said and he was just not yeah i mean it was his fourth movie or no no fifth maybe but he'd made three in that year and then two before that Visually, the other thing I want to address is the Frank Fu. Um, uh, the, the the what? Oh, the good <laughs> fucking god! Oh man! Oh man! How did we forget about that? I don't know how we forgot. Yeah! Wow! Some of the best worst fight choreography that I've ever seen, featuring Frank Sinatra karate chopping through a goddamn table. Thank you for that. Oh my god, Mr. Frankenheimer! Like, <laughs> there is some very interesting technique going on by Frank Sinatra and his it, counterpart. I would love to know what school he studied. <laughs> Who was monkey. the choreographer? Like, the choreographer couldn't decide what it's, style. It, yeah, like, it's to do. like Irish brawl meets crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Like, and at one point, he's straight up just got like the guy's left arm in his hands, oh and he's just kicking him in the fucking. <laughs> 
ribs. It looked like he was going to go for an arm bar or like some sort of, uh, No, he just pulled his arm (laughs) and then kept kicking him. Yeah, like he was trying to pull a goddamn thing off. Like it was just, it was was so delightfully absurd. And that's the, you know, I mean, when when the movie got absurd, it was delightful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well put. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, interestingly... Fucking commies. Um, yeah, that, is, that was a real explosion, <laughs> that was ladies crazy. and gentlemen. Um, yeah, so interestingly, I guess this thing was largely unseen theatrically or on broadcast, according to this. Wow. Uh, due to a legal battle between the producer, Sinatra, and the studio over Sinatra's shares of the profits. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, it says in any event, it was re-released to great acclaim in 1988. Oh, Jesus. Fuck me, really? Cold War was over at the time by that time. Almost by that time. So, like, as a historical document, (laughs) I guess it's re-released in 88. So nobody really saw it when it was released in 62. How did it get nominated for all these awards? Yeah, I, I, well... I, I oh no it was no released also, okay, it was released but largely unseen because I guess they pulled it they pulled the theatrical uh, release of it is that it correct Joey well okay so I don't it seems okay this is like Wikipedia I'm just reading the Wikipedia there's a lot of arguments as to according why. to a false rumor Sinatra removed the film from distribution after the JFK assassination on November 22nd 63 yeah that's not Michael true. Michael Schlesinger who was responsible for the film's 1988 reissue denies the rumor according to him yeah. the film was not removed but there was little public interest in it immediately before the assassination yeah Franken Frankenheimer specifically states in a uh, a book uh, book by Champlin about it that it was pulled because of legal battle between producers Sinatra might just not have studio. been popular uh, it might have been like no one cared yeah it but I believe been. Frankenheimer like why would he lie about it like why would he lie about why he got pulled yeah. save face maybe know. yeah everyone's got skin <laughs> Frank Sinatra's actually got a great reason to lie about well yeah know, of that. course yeah yeah so if he, you know, it seems like that. And he looks really sweaty. So he's, really, I mean, it's looks the lip guilty. thing. That it's might be the lip, it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just like, I can't, I can see my own face in the reflection of my lip when I watch this film. Pull I it. actually would have been a little pissed if I was him, to be honest. To be like, Why? every fucking scene, I look like a sweaty freak. Yep. I'm trying to be a pop star he's here. He's playing a character. No, he, but he still had to, you know, maintain the Frank image. Yeah, like, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Mm, that maybe that's fair. Maybe it was too much of a character role for him, and he didn't like that. It's possible. This you is know, a little later maybe it could be anything. Maybe we he could probably, just keep supposing forever. Well, yeah. I mean, the, well, the Elvis movies were all about you know making Elvis like you know a a star, and or, that worked yeah. really well because <laughs> Elvis was such a great like. They did. Well, it it worked to keep his career alive and to make him a. Yeah. A household name and a star, but so, it wasn't yeah. necessarily supposedly. Again, I, this is a controversial. I feel it, like it, it was more like Michael Jordan's baseball career. It's his manager supposedly. There's all kinds of shit. He oh, because he couldn't leave the he country. Couldn't leave the country. Yeah, yeah. That's the deal. He was supposed to tour around the world and get really famous in Europe and shit, but yeah. there was all kinds of illegal activity and stuff. Yep. Mm. Oh, which is probably true. Current the colonel, something. yeah, the, Colonel the, the, the colonel's visa was not valid yeah. and not honored, so he basically just said, uh, "Hey Elvis, you're Let's playing America movies. again. Let's do some more movies. That's some good money, right?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just okay, so I just realized that um, this guy actually goes on uh, Frankenheimer, sorry, goes on to direct later uh, in '66 a uh, film that I think's really great uh, called Seconds. 
um, with Rock Hudson and uh, J- Jimmy Wong Howe. We'll have to watch that at some point because of cinematography and that one's incredible. But uh, I didn't realize he directed. I forgot he directed that film. It's really good. Does, does it have anything similar? Uh, n- <laughs> no, not really. It's like, uh, but it's very stylistic, can like you, super stylistic. Can you feel like, like you know how like there are some scenes where you can maybe you can feel like, uh, like. Well, no, 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 not, not, not how like they misdid it in seconds. But if you think seconds was great, could you feel his influence? from like can you could you feel uh, his I would say a little bit I so suppose. I would say a little bit like I would say specifically the those shots I was talking about like the low angle thing of like the okay. pro- yeah that's totally like yeah in, in seconds they've got like a lot of like cool stuff like that hmm. you know? interesting. interesting I don't know if there I, I I don't know if there's as much of a reason <laughs> behind it I'd be so, like like you know like they're just doing cool shit at this point probably to co- do cool shit i mean it's the 60s yeah um, well between knowing that he did this and fucking reindeer games i'm very right. interested to yeah. see seconds after hearing that you liked it yeah yeah his reindeer games is not <laughs> rock rock hudson too also rock hudson yeah yeah rock hudson, rock hudson flick hudson. we haven't seen a rock hudson matt flick, have, we? have we not i don't think we've seen a rock hudson flick have i we? gotta put us through pillow talk that's a great one. Where's the Ben Affleck? Which one's in Reindeer Games? Affleck. That's Affleck. Affleck. Uh, same difference. Yeah. Old Rock Gigli Hudson himself. and Affleck. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> By the way, quick piece of trivia. Um, in Reindeer Games, Ben Affleck's character's name is Rudy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rudy, short for Rudolph. The, the red-nosed. That's a stupid Boom. little... That yeah. is so out of character seconds, for this director. In seconds... An older man is played by John Randolph, which Whoa. is like ah. Rudolph. Whoa. But not. I feel like we're so some that was basically a prophecy for reindeer games. Basically. <laughs> if you cross-reference it with the Mayan calendar. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you use enough red yarn, you'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, let's play our second game, guys. Yeah. Because that would be Hit a nice a button, transition God, here. All right. It's called Guess the Oscar Picks. For now. It's still called that. All right, so the 35th. <laughs> now that we're almost out of them. The yeah, 35th Academy Awards. Three, we'll uh, 1962 was at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in Santa Monica, California, Ooh. hosted by Mr. Frank Sinatra. Oh. A little inside oh. work here, huh? Yeah. Gonna keep one of these for myself. Maybe. Was that televised? The revolution will not be televised. It's on Twitch. <laughs> I assume it was. Yes. In sixty-two, let's say probably. yes. Let's say yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's do the big, the big four here. We're going to start with best actor here. We have Jack Lemmon for Days of Wine and Roses, Gregory Peck for To Kill a Mockingbird, Burt Lancaster for Birdman of Alcatraz, Burt Lancaster, which was also directed by Frankenheimer. Hmm. Meh. Right? Permanent, right? Yeah, same yes. year, actually, too. Yeah. Uh, Marcello Mastroianni for Divorce Italian Style. Mastroianni. And Peter O'Toole for Lawrence of Arabia. I'm going Peter O'Toole. I guess O'Toole. I'm going Birdman. Birdman? Uh, Burt Lancaster? <laughs> the answer is Gregory Peck. Dang. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. Hoop. We should have known. The yeah. other bird. Also, we should have just picked that. I like to He was really good. He was. Yeah. Best Actress. We got Catherine Hepburn. Long Day's Journey into Night. 
Geraldine Page, Sweet Bird of Youth, Lee Remick for Days of Wine and Roses, Betty Davis, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and Anne Bancroft for The Miracle Worker. Betty Davis. Betty Davis, yeah, totally. Anne Bancroft. Well done, sir. Anne Bancroft. Damn. Is the winner of Miracle Worker. Damn right. Is the Miracle Worker the one with Helen Keller? Yeah. Believe so. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. It's water. <laughs> I am fucking sorry. He's canceled. To everyone. Yeah. <laughs> he cancels himself every episode. It's just yeah, kind of a transition. I've, I've been canceled probably 59 times. At you know, this point. you went a long time at without this point, something bad. Shaw's the only fucking one that got it. Even though, even even oh, you guys don't wow. get it. No, I get it. The it's listeners a good, that's a good, will never that's a good ever get those jokes. Mm. No, some of them do. Mm. Some of them follow. No one's been here Maybe with like this many Meryl. episodes. There's one crazy person out there. That's who, true. Who loves- Mr. Donut the Donut. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mr. Donut the Donut. <laughs> for your Eric Clapton biggest jokes. non-fan. Yeah. The, the guy who doesn't even fucking know who we are. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> he doesn't follow this particular podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but another by Fawcett Studios. Many Speaking podcasts of which- <laughs> are available. There are many. Fallcast, or Patreon.com slash Fallcast. Yeah, that uh, too. Uh, yeah. How yeah. about we're all unemployed? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. They've recently <laughs> lost a little money yeah, too. Cash app, sleazy Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Uh, yeah, they're also down. They're at a loss because I think their their most uh, consistent donate donate do, donor basically stopped donating. It's really oh, a shame. Geez. Yeah. Mm. Fallcast Studios used to have really one yeah. that would be consistent. Our, I didn't keep it up. Our benefactor for, has, for for um, less than the cost up. of your daily cup of coffee. Yeah, you too could support <laughs> Fawcast Studios. And if you do support Fawcast Studios, we will send you a personalized postcard of Sean that updates you on how he's doing. And they like, don't want that. Actually, no. <laughs> Too many <Let's>, promises. <laughs> like, so if they pay us. No, you know how like you used to get that postcard. $10. Like, no, this is the kid you saved. Like, <laughs> we will ship he's them. Doing great. He learned how Sean's like thumbs up. Thumbs up. Like, <laughs> postcard. Today we, I made sourdough. Yeah. Today I got up before noon. <laughs> and also a cup of coffee. And a Let's cup of coffee. Smell a cup of coffee to them as well. Yeah. Hot. Hot. Yeah, just get his Try can't promise it's hot by the time it gets there. No, no, but we send it out like McDonald's <laughs> yeah. lawsuit it's levels. So hot, like it's so hot when we send it out. Like, I think depending- that's illegal. This is like for the coffee bomber. No, it's fine. Mm. 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 It's, it's a right. dick move to the mailman. Yeah, but well, what we, you do is you put the mailing address as the return address as well. Yes. So, and then you don't put any postage on yeah. it. So no matter what, it goes to where it's supposed to go. Yeah. yeah. And then you send the manifesto to the papers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you demand the money. Yeah. yeah. At which point, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah then yeah. step three, profit. Yeah. <laughs> so best director. <laughs> best director. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Arthur Penn for The Miracle Worker. Robert Mulligan to Kill a Mockingbird. I'll take a mulligan. David Lean. Lawrence of Arabia, Frank Perry, David and Lisa, or Pietro Germi for divorce Italian style. David Lean, God damn yeah, it. Absolutely, yeah, David Lean, Lean but I want to pick Pietro. Pietro. So Pietro. that's my pick. The answer is David Lean. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should just stuck with that. It's because okay. of that red Corvette. It was a Isn't little, 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 little little red that Corvette? Lawrence of Arabia? Sean. Mm. Were the red the Corvettes in the back of that wide shot? I don't think so. 
Was I that, put her on the back in of the my desert? bike when we went driving. <laughs> it, was, it was either Lawrence of Arabia by David Lean or Gods of Egypt. And I'm not sure which one it was. Probably Gods of Egypt. <laughs> Those movies are so similar to me. They yeah. sure are. They this, really uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Charlton Heston, Gerard Butler. I don't know. Like, Charlton Heston. Wasn't he in Lawrence of Arabia? Nah, it's Peter O'Toole. What fucking We ever. just announced it. Yeah. I wasn't listening. I was, that's <laughs> why I picked the last person on the list. Mm. Oh. You did. You picked Burt Lancaster. Okay. So, best picture. The Music Man. The Longest Day. Mutiny on the Bounty. Lawrence of Arabia. Kill a Mockingbird. Mutiny on the Bounty. I want to say mutiny. I'll go Lawrence of Arabia. Say mutiny. Yeah. The answer is Lawrence. Um. Lawrence cleaning up. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you done yet? Are you done? <laughs> is this game over? It's called <laughs> Guess the Oscar Picks. Who won? Right now. Everyone. Everybody wins. Yeah. I thought. Okay. okay. Is it a participation okay. thing? If the you listeners won. Yeah. No, uh, they, they are not. I was just doing it double, double, triple, triple. We all uh, won because it's, it's over. over. <laughs> oh, it's not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Okay. So we are getting close, though, guys. So uh, uh, do you guys have anything else you wanted to discuss? I don't think. I think we're up to the miscellaneous. No. Are have we, we not we done the historical context of this yet? What oh, is the historical context? I guess we could get to it. Fine. Let's talk about Cold War stuff. Fine. Well, I mean, this movie was released in the height of the Cold War, so it's oddly timely for a picture of its like it's it's a okay, McCarthy sure. era, or it's a McCarthy picture in the McCarthy era, which is odd. You didn't see that from Tentpole Cinema at the time, yeah. and also it's weirdly prophetically timely with the Kennedy assassination. All that stuff is terribly interesting to me, at least. Well, that's because. Frank hired uh, Ted Cruz's dad. So All right. Anyhow, Joey, happen. talk over him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, I let him go. It's funny sometimes. I, I, I think. All right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they hired this, the Zodiac to. I see a lot of Trump in here. There's a lot, a lot of that. I think that also weirdly, yeah. Um, I saw a lot of Hillary. Okay. Why? Uh, Angela no, Lens. Woman. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the Machiavellian power behind the throne that is, uh, you know, just kind of has this uh, wuss of a husband that she is using as her front man to try and rule the world. Do you think Bill is that? I think, I, I do definitely think Bill never would have been president if he didn't marry Hillary, yes. Really? Yeah. He's political McConaughey, bro. Pretty much, yeah. He's just See, cool I don't to be view around him that way. I don't view him as a like a beta cuck or whatever. No, no, not necessarily. He he's an he's certainly an alpha, an and he is jump. a charismatic. Well, I, well, I mean, Hillary. He was saying basically, Hillary kind of controls him. Yeah, a puppet is not necessarily a beta. Okay. Uh, I, also, that's a stupid theory. Okay. Yeah, I don't agree with that. The alpha beta theory is. is oh, oh, gotcha. That's stupid mm. too. Yes. Yeah. No. Th this theory, however, actually kind of holds a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason why I don't think so is that Bill, Bill is, you know, he's he's willing to cheat on his wife in the Oval Office. I don't think he's like a. Well, that was just part of their arrangement. He's just Mr. Party. Yeah, like I, I really think he's just like whatever is in, in front of his face. Like, yeah. The same reason okay. that he did that weird interview, or not interview, but uh, uh, he had that weird meeting on an airplane oh, at the worst time for Hillary's campaign, yeah. and I think it's just because he's not a next step guy. Mm. You know what I mean? That? 
uh, in the way that like he he doesn't live life like chess like a lot of these politicians he, do. He's a charismatic left-hander. He's, he's, he's just he's yeah. really here in the now, yeah. and he would like to play saxophone, please. You know, uh, but the but thing is, I don't think that's Hillary, why he feels your pain. I don't think Hillary actually is Angel Lansbury because I, I don't think Hillary, honestly, I don't mean this to be mean to Hillary. I don't think she's as uh, cunning. I don't think she's as she. He was talking about how, how how he thinks Hillary plays chess and Bill plays checkers. I don't think either of them are playing chess. Mm. If that was true, we, Hillary would be fucking president. I mean, or ma many other things. No, I, I think also, Sean was saying uh, he was more highlighting her like uh, thinly veiled lust for power. I understand what he's saying. I, I know he's just trying to make digs at Hillary, but I just don't think she's that. That's all. I don't think she is is that lustful for power or she's that cunning or Here's that kind the of thing. thing. I don't think I don't think he's wrong. I just think that it's unfortunate that like the like we like I don't know. We should have we should just basically have more examples to pick from. You know what I mean? Like right. Hillary shouldn't be our only politician. Uh, imagine That's true. I imagine we love if any female. Jared Kushner was president. No. Ivanka would be the same as Angela Lansbury. Yeah, she's not Angela. Yeah, that's true. No, actually, well, no, 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 no. I think Jared Kushner is a lot more cunning than. Yeah, uh, they're Jared both Kuckner. airheads. They're both idiots. Jared Kuckner, you mean? Yeah. This is an uh, Paula Tinkering episode inside <laughs> of an episode. Of <laughs> we we, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> I don't know. I just think for she, more of this. Yeah, yeah. This has actually been a commercial for the Paul Tinkering episode, yeah. which will be recorded directly after. No, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the behest of Eric but Wheeler. Angela Lansbury is her character is willing to sacrifice her own son. She wasn't though. What do you mean? She has that monologue near the end. But she's okay she, with it. She's got a plan to get him back. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna pay That's for what true. they did. Yeah, yeah. So That's she's true. she's gonna turn on the people that helped her yeah. the I second guess, she okay. can. She but, just wanted a random douchebag to be her murderer, and then they're like, "Hey, we'll we'll do that." And then they grab her son. Yeah. And then she's just willing to, kind of a to let her son thing. go through mm -hmm. all these horrible things in to service her ends, which is evil. Yeah. But I just think it's very interesting that she's willing to put her family through all these things, and that put that's a little different than I think your average. Her character is really interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a, uh, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is I don't think there's any sort of analogy necessarily what we can say with Hillary or any other person like that, because we don't have anyone that powerful. Chelsea was tortured. In what fucking way? <laughs> By the media. Okay, <laughs> super blue. <laughs> I mean, if Chelsea went to Afghanistan yeah. and was brainwashed. That was Prince Harry. And came back. Yeah, Prince Harry, maybe. Yeah. Was he brainwashed by Mel Meghan Markle? We'll find out. The tabloids, is, if yeah. the tabloids are anything at the supermarket, like there's heat going on. The yeah. the uh, Meghan Markle uh, Harry thing is uh, actually a lot more towards the uh, Diana stuff. Um, so whole different conspiracy theory, though. Gotcha. Check out Paula Tinkering for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's another <laughs> teaser for Paula Tinkering. Um, let's see. To get back to what you're saying, I think. It is very good movie in that sense that it's talking about McCarthyism right after it. You know, McCarthyism is probably the you know mid mid late fifties, and this is sixty two, which is pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. Um, I I don't think there's many things that would be like that. You know, even I'm trying to think of like W. You know, or you all know, the so, president's men is the closest thing I got. It's true, it's very close by. Uh, when was all the president's men? That was seventy. That was early seventies. I was pre seventy five. I want to say seventy two, but I think I'm wrong. Well, it could have been seventy two because he was impeached in seventy. Or no, Four. no, God damn it. It was fucking 77 or some shit. 
Well, whatever. Either way, you're right. It's, yeah, it's a few years after, and that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Um, it was it was contemporary. 76. 76, there you go. It's actually really close. That's close, yeah. Do you think there'd be a, a Trump movie in two years? Uh, I I would be so fucking surprised if there wasn't. Yeah. Because first of all, everything happens tomorrow today. Mm. You know what I mean? Everything is so There's quick. already a Boris Johnson movie These in the days. works, I read. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, movies are kind of like, uh, they're oversaturating themselves into obsolescence. <laughs> like as an entertainment source. Is it going to be cheaper to get actors now? Because you can just get somebody whose like eyes kind of look <laughs> the same <laughs> and Digital. then have them wear a mask. Everyone's masked. You mm-hmm. just hire James Dean to do everything. Well, Pretty I've, much. Honestly, I think uh, just at least for the next year or so, productions in general are just going to be super low budget, low key, very few actors in a very tight space that are, you know, uh, two crew members and a those, director. Those limitations, if those limitations come to fruition, Dude. that will create some amazing shit because nothing makes a movie better than not having the enough limitations. to do yeah, yeah. not having enough to do the thing you want to do so you have to come up with something else the and prob- that's where brilliance happens the problem though is they're still going to have the money so i think that is going to be you know you, you can solve things I'm with money or creativity the, the, i'm not saying that they're going to be coming up with fucking the shining or something like amazing you know mm. what I mean? but like the, at least push towards be our better, house It'll stuff. be better than some of the shit we've been getting fed the last few well, years. At least it means we're going to get a, a hold on some uh, comic book movies and whatnot for a little while. Like Everything can't be the giant action movies. Well, I mean, how hard is it to shoot in front of a green screen? That's true. I mean, uh, you know, um, you can Mandalorian is... Uh, but the thing about that is you need Mandalorian's a lot of Mandalorian's a little different because they integrate uh, a, lot of, a lot of practical stuff. Right, right, but I'm I'm just saying that's like basically a closed atmosphere. Like they have um, a, a it's essentially just a soundstage with screens everywhere. So you know you can make that as small or as big as you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, but you, you still have to deal with the people, okay. and you have to deal with the puppet people because they do a lot of puppetry oh, on true. the show yeah, and yeah. a lot of practical effects and so on and true. so forth. Yeah, all the practical stuff. Yeah, so the only stuff you could really do is like I, I hope we'll start seeing. Uh, stuff like, you know, maybe the four rooms or like clerks or something, something mm. that's very, you know, just like, oh, we're in this fucking room and we, I now, I'm not saying like, a- like exactly that, but like really small scale productions that are like I, doing the most they can with the least they can. I assume it's going to be a lot of like marriage story stuff, like two people in a room talking. Uh, even that was just kind of a bad Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, exactly. I Completely agree with what you say, Tim. And that maybe you're right, they will have a lot of money, but the limitations on crew, the limitations on other rules will lead to some cool stuff. Well, that's the that's the recipe to creativity is, okay. to, is to restrain yourself and to, and to limit yourself. Totally. So that you have to work around those things. I just don't want every movie to be about coronavirus. Jesus. Really. I think- Or zombies. They're gonna happen. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Everything's been so done to death. It's like, you know, as a screenwriter myself, you know, I sit down and I try to think, you know, it's like- I don't know, but perhaps also that's just a failure on on myself as a yeah. That's creative. The, like I I truly yeah, believe probably. that there's nothing new under the sun. Like I well, I believe I'm not going to be on the show with Derek anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, 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 I do believe the only thing that you can provide is perspective. So, you know, the, the idea that if you hand the same script to 50 different directors, you're going to get 50 different movies. Um, you know, there, the, all of the stories have been told, all of the human relationships have been explored, um, outside of, you know, some sci-fi tech stuff, the stories contained within those worlds are still the same. Well, they said so, that there's only 12 stories anyway. Yeah. And 12 characters or, or, or yeah. So, you know, you mix 12 notes. Yeah. You mix and match yeah. all of those things and you get a new ish thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like the uh, yeah. Simpsons did it on South Park. Like, it takes a bit the, of the creativity out of it though. Cause it just feels like, you know, like, okay, which numbers are we going to paint by this time? Yeah. Like, Cause I, okay. This one used these numbers together. So I can't do that because you know, that, again, right, but that's where you get crap. So the, not to, uh, the, go ahead. Yeah. Not to get too heavy into it, but uh, I think it's Neil Gaiman who said that the, that the origin of new ideas is from, comes from confluence. So it's like two things put together. Mm. He mm. says like, for instance, we all know what happens if I get bit by a werewolf. I, you know, when the moon goes up, and it gets a full moon night, I'll turn into a werewolf. We all know that. But what happens if a werewolf bites a goldfish? Or what happens if a werewolf bites a chair yeah. and you're sitting in the chair and suddenly chair. it starts, you know, and then the, the moon hits it and then suddenly it starts to grow fur and, you know, so these kinds of things, like putting these yeah. kinds yeah. of things together. And I think that you can do that with especially those basis of those stories, like that's just stories, right? That's not necessarily plots and things like that. So uh, I think that confluence, like like he said, you know, is 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 a good way to start, right? Like the combinations of those things, which is what you guys were basically saying. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. I think, and there's some a lot of ways to tell the same story in, a, in an updated version that are still still interesting. I mean, even if you're just telling, you like can a, give like, Romeo guns. <laughs> that's true. I was also thinking just like a buddy comedy or something. Like, you know, there's all you know, just. Does yeah. two friends, or there's, you can tell the story of two friends over a million fucking times, different friends, different relationships. Right. You said two, 12 characters, but yeah, different versions of those characters leads to different things. I was recently watching uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and they were talking about how he wrote it in like five days mm. or like a weekend or something. And I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, and there's nothing like crazy revolutionary in that movie. It's just interesting and funny characters. Yep. They were going through some funny stuff and interesting situations and and it's just fun to watch. And I think that that's, that's lost, I think, a lot. Like we're kind of always hung up on like, oh my God, we need the three-act structure. We need these characters. We need this and that. But it is just kind of like, you know, if you really know how to just make people fun and interesting to watch, you can do almost anything, I think. I think one of the issues is we've kind of gotten to this point where like that deep dive character stuff is kind of reserved for episodic television. So like you can, you know, follow Walter White for five seasons or whatever and see his arc across a, a larger narrative. Yeah. So there's almost, it, that almost diminishes what you can accomplish in a movie. So it feels like people have gone so far the other direction then. So, you know, since- You just mean like we're spoiled with character development? Well, since TV can get into character development so much deeper and richer than a movie, then the kind of reactionary thing there is to go comic book and just make everything big explosions and shiny spinning colors. Which we get with Marvel. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe Marvel is a reaction. And it, maybe it's cyclical. Maybe yeah, it'll, oh, yeah, everything know, is. It'll, it'll yeah. come back around. Totally. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't, maybe not. Maybe you like the Marvel shit. I don't want to 
completely. Well, yeah, yeah, but um, Marvel is running its course, and especially with COVID, I think that's going to shut down a lot of that big budget that's stuff. True, so that's true. Yeah. We are in a forced transition right now with a lot of things that are going to be different on the other side. And one of those limitations that Tim was mentioning is movie theaters are not going to be open. You just mentioned it, but I mean, that's a huge deal, right? They're now have to think about doing sound mixes for, for at-home theaters and headphones as opposed to big, you know, Dolby Atmos mixes. You know, maybe they're not going to do as many 3D movies and that kind of stuff, I assume. Yeah. Because yeah. all of that stuff is the gimmick. That's just a way yeah. to get people into the cinema because technically you can watch anything. But Avatar is back to work. <laughs> yeah. Are yeah. they really back to work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, Kiwi Country. Uh, New Zealand? Zealand? Yeah, that one. <laughs> it's amazing that you knew that. Oh, yeah, because New Zealand <laughs> beat it. New Zealand pretty much beat it. I well, they got a strong leader, so. Uh, okay, I think we're um, we're about ready to do the miscellaneous oh, then. Cane chair. Can, I'm sorry? Cane chair. Cane chair. Cane chair. Abel Cain. No, the guy that I comes- I can do it too. The, uh, when, when our-, uh, our main guy is uh, all bandaged up in the hospital gear and then the cane chair the, the guy comes in with the cane chair cane chair he's got a yeah. cane and he flips it around it makes him it, it, it's honestly <laughs> yeah. it's it's like the best villain accoutrement yeah. of the of the film exactly yeah you know it's the most like I forgot to talk about him actually I never seen liked him, him. Liked oh he was him. fantastic he was really really entertaining I really yeah. liked him obviously a little racist more, well, yeah. more than a little but yeah. he was the one. He was the one speaking with the transitions and the hydrangea scenes. Yeah, and he so, was also the human face of communism. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's funny. It's funny you say communism with a human face. That's a very famous well, term. It, say again. It's a very famous philosophical term, communism with a human face. That's interesting. Yeah, I've that, not heard that. That's what they would. That's what they said was after Stalinism. So they, they Khrushchev tried to give Stalin basically a new name for communism with a human mm -hmm. face. So that's interesting you say that because literally right when Khrushchev was in power in 62. So. That's so, yeah, that yeah. is interesting. I'll have to think about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Reflect. Well, <laughs> Stalin died in 53. So they were trying to like, hey, we're not evil anymore. We're not, we're not just killers. Mm. Yeah. Trying to put, you know, new, brand, new, new, yeah, new branding on it. And I think that was funny. He was that new branding. He's like, hey, you know, let's laugh at this. Let's, let's we have to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Where the other guy was that, you know, that Russian guy with no sense of humor. And just <laughs> dead. Yeah, that was kind of funny. It was just like the, the old new communism arguing with each other. There was one particular character in this film that was the, uh, it was the Russian uh, representative in the dream. Um, and he oh, yeah. always, in every shot, he had Carmex on his lips. <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure it was Carmex, but I'm pretty sure. And even now I'm unsettled. It's gross. Mm. <laughs> they didn't need to do that. Could have been Burt's Bees. They, they could have fucking, they could have cast anybody else. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let me let me clarify what I should have said earlier. Okay. Communism with a human face or socialism with a human face was from 1968, a little bit after the Prague Spring uh, Czechoslovakia. So, you know, you know what was first? released in 1968? Billy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Billy Jack. Well, that can be your pick in a couple oh, weeks. Oh boy. <laughs> nah. I want to do I want to do Holy Mountain first, but just cuz it seems like Joey really It's just very I've not seen it. I just want to see it. So just watch it. I've never seen a Yoraski. <laughs> You're allowed to watch, watch movies without us. <laughs> Am I? I think I'm only allowed to watch reruns of the U.S. office. Mm. Also, I think El Topo is probably more fun. El Topo? I don't know. There's a scene in El Topo that I read about that I didn't want to see. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that one. 
But it is 1970. That's kind of why it's right in our range. Yeah, that's true. That that, that was the original reason, because I was like, holy mountain, sweet, I can finally watch this. 74, Joey's going to fucking whine about it. <laughs> Gotta go El Topo. Did a little reading, and then I found out about the scene. All right, well, let that awkwardness sit with you guys. Okay. Yep. Do you guys have anything else? Miscellaneous. Um, Nothing so, in the miscellaneous. Uh, actually, this is a this is a challenge to the viewers, um, listeners, listeners. Actually, this is interestingly uh, appropriate. Yes, listeners, observers. You cannot see our faces, and that's actually great for most of us. But if you'd like to know exactly what Joey looks like, please watch the film Nighthawks, starring Sylvester Stallone and Billy D. Williams, because Sylvester looks exactly Stallone like looks exactly like fucking Joey Bonier. I don't think that's in true. that film. Look it up. I'm going to look it up. I don't yeah, think that's in Nighthawks. 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 I believe 1988. Billy D. Williams, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I think Buddy it's just, cop. I think you're just your beard blind. No, fucking look it up, dude. <laughs> I've heard Serpico. Or Serpico also, but I've like heard... Charlie Day's Serpico. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> A Jewish Serpico. Because your beard seems to be falling off, you know? Like what? I don't know. Does His it? beard's falling off in most of the episode. Oh, I thought you mean my beard is falling off. No, I was. I was, I was confused. Gonna... It was a bad joke. It wasn't a good joke. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad joke. Someone recently said I look like Post Malone. I didn't know whether or not to be offended. You should be offended, and also it doesn't make sense. You mm. look like uh, Pre Malone. Pre Malone. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, not good. Did not actually. Not no, it's the mustache. It's the mustache and the, the eyes. Uh, if you had yeah. always tired tattooed on your <laughs> nog. Yeah. All right, but, guys. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, let's get to it. Let's let's, let's finalize this get, thing. Let's do it. Let's, let's rate this baby. Let's, let's get, get out of here. Let's get gone. Oh shit! Yeah, rating. I didn't even. And we're gonna start like we usually start with Mr. Derek Laporte. Yeah. So uh, I usually do out at twelve. I'm also still going to do out of twelve. Season two, Derek. Mm. Season two. You stick can do out of twenty-four. Sticking to do. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You've tempted him. Goddamn it! You, you've tempted me. <laughs> That's almost too much math. Cause it's too much math. It's too much math because I'm still like trying to figure out what it is compared to you just your skills, it. you know? It's, like, it's just two times. <laughs> well, yeah, but then I got to divide by it's two. Double and then whatever number you the... would have said. Just right. think of your 12 and then all double right, it. All right, all right, all right. Still too much math. Okay. Uh, we're still going to stick to 12. Maybe right. season three will go Keep out Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with... Eight <laughs> out of 12. Just because Eight there's a bunch of cool moments in it, okay. you know, that I really like. Uh, yeah, not great. Worth probably seeing just for a few moments. That's it. You think a younger audience would like it? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think. I don't think. Quickly, have you seen the remake? Yes. Remake better? No. Okay, skip that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Skip 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 the remake for sure. Are you <laughs> sure? Yeah. But it's got Denzel. Let me just say that they still have the train scene in the remake. Yeah. Which who tells plays, you who plays uh Janet Lee? Uh oh, uh Meryl Streep, didn't we say? No, that's Angela Lansbury. Ange isn't it? Wait. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh no, it's it's what's her name? Uh uh shit. 
what is her name? Vera Formiga. Vera Farmiga. I oh, think so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I like her. Yeah, I like yeah. her too. She was. I've never seen anything in her or that she's done that I didn't like. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with uh, two and a half out of five stars. Um, you know, like Derek said, there's there are some some good moments in here and some like almost classic cinema in here, but the rest of it feels like an Ed Wood movie. It's just like such bad, such bad writing and such horrible acting so much of the time that it is by no means a good movie, but it is probably a movie any film person should sit through at least once. All right. Um, I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. I think it is solid, like you guys both said. It's got some decent parts. The acting and writing are rough, um, but it's fun to see Angela Lansbury. Her performance is really fun. Her character is awesome. It's just a shame that her character is in this stupid movie because <laughs> it would work in another really yeah. interesting movie. Um, Frank Sinatra is interesting. I mean, I, I haven't seen many Frank Sinatra films, so it's good to see him kind of in a dramatic role. He overdoes it a lot of times, especially when he's in bed doing his alcoholic deal. Yeah. But that was good. Um, I think it's interesting, again, historically, it's good to see a lot of the interesting analogies to McCarthy. Um, you know, again, not super accurate, but it, it's fun to kind of just go into, dive into that weird world. So I think it is good to see. I, I don't know if young audiences are going to like this. Like you said, they're not. But I think they should watch it, if that's tough to say. It's it's like a vegetable. It's like vegetable? Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. They have they should watch this one. But it's they're, a, they're not going to It's a lesser like it. vegetable, I think, though. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. It's so like not is, one of the key vegetables. It's like breaded no. zucchini. No. No? Nothing breaded, it. yeah. Nothing, nothing breaded. breaded. Nothing breaded, delicious. nothing fried. That sounds it's like, delicious. It's like cauliflower rice. Oh, that's bad. Okay. That's good. I'm going to say broccoli with maybe some nice salad dressing. It's a lot of credit. No, that's, that's a pretty, yeah, it's pretty high. All right. Especially salad. I feel like this vegetable thing is ruining Tim's rating. Cantaloupe? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the vegetable cantaloupe. Cantaloupe? Yeah. Cantaloupe. I yeah. feel like you're asking us. Cantaloupe. Can can we elope? We cantaloupe you, Melonhead. <laughs> Tim, tell us what's your score. Well, you know, this season because it is a new season. It's a new season. I want to change things up. Oh, he's going to change it up. And Derek, Derek really disappointed me by not changing up his thing. You know, because he had a great opportunity to rate things out of twenty four, mm -hmm. and I've decided also. Or, well, you know, not also, but individually, I've decided to rate things out of 24 this season. Mm. Okay. And so I'm yeah. gonna uh, I'm gonna give this movie, I rate this movie a uh, a Kiefer William Southern. a William Devane, actually. What and the fuck? William Devane <laughs> was a character, uh he played James Heller during seasons four through six on twenty-four. Okay. And so, gotcha. so he didn't so show glad. up initially. He's not breaking new ground, but goddamn, he's kind of fun to look at. You know, he's kind of fun to look at and you're okay that he's there. You don't need him, mm, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And so I'd give it, you know, out of 24, I'd give it a William Devane. Awesome. All right. William Devane. William Devane. Cool. Yeah. He was actually, he was also, uh, uh, he was notably in a couple other things. He's actually a great actor. It's definitely no Marilyn Rice Club. Yeah. No, he was in Marathon Man. 
which mm. uh, uh, was something that I was actually thinking about picking. You know, it's one of my lesser, like I was a huge fan of Dustin Hoffman until I found out some unsavory shit about him. And now, <laughs> I don't feel so, now I don't feel so great about it, but fuck, I used to really like his acting. And, I feel uh, like that's yeah. going to happen if you research any lot of people. Uh, I know, I know. You know what's really funny, know, Tim, is like, that uh, Dustin Hoffman was emailing me and he was saying he was a fan of the podcast. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew he was the listener. And he was, and he was listening and then he was like, you know what, I listened to some of Tim's stuff and I can't listen to him anymore. I'm yeah. canceling Tim. Fuck, he's a Clapton fan. He is. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> it's interesting that, you know, he canceled you, you canceled. <laughs> Fuck. Hoff. I take it all back. If I could close the window myself, I would have, you know. <laughs> Like, was it great press? Yes. You know, did it spawn a great song that made him a lot of money? Yeah. Do yeah. I think that it was probably on purpose? Sure. You know, but yeah. like what Eric Clapton does with his offspring to make money doesn't, you know, like that's not my, pur that's not my purview. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say whether or not I think that Eric Clapton purposefully had his kid fall out of a 59 store window so that he could make a great song and make a shitload of money. It's not for me to say. It's not for you to say. No, that'd be gross. It'd be yeah. horrible. It'd be very gross. <laughs> imagine it would be really disgusting to put I was on a recording. A piss in the middle of the movie, and I was thinking, I shouldn't do this this season. <laughs> I shouldn't keep these Clapton jokes going. <laughs> do you want to run for office later? Is that why you're worried about this? You know, I just have so many plans for my public persona going uh -huh. forward. I yeah. Well, so you're trying to clean it up? Yeah, you know, really trying to mop things up a little bit. We can delete these later, don't worry. Yeah, the internet's yeah. forever. I used to think of this place as like my safe room. You know, like we're, it's all tile, so it mops up easy. Fucking <laughs> 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 Dexter over <laughs> Wow, that, that is very intriguing right there. No, that's not tie-dye, that's just bloodstains, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I killed I killed a lemon and uh, and a cantaloupe. That's a, it, and a cantaloupe. It's a visual joke. Yeah, doesn't work. Let's end this. We should start videotaping these podcasts. I think people should see us videotaping. If you can find videotape somewhere, <laughs> you are more than yeah. I actually know it, dude. <laughs> I, I have can call us Jerry Bryan in Chicago and be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry that the station just got foreclosed upon, but can I have the videotape equipment?" Actually, I've been in touch with Jerry Bryan in Chicago. He emailed me. Yeah? And he said that uh, he's canceling you. <laughs> he's an Eric Clapton fan, too. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so all these people. I actually do that. a lot of fans of Eric Clapton. Be sure to check out all the shows on the Podcast Network. We've got text before calling literally literary politinkering going on on South Park. Wild Wild West World and this fantabulous show you just listened to. Celluloid Breakdown. Uh, visit podcast.com and uh, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, half the show is unemployed, so, you know, we could kind of use some of that. And, uh, yeah, happy COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <COVID>. exactly. <laughs> and what a happy COVID it's been for me. Jesus. I've been having a great time that's, being unemployed. That's wonderful. We're God, so I love it. It's so it, That's the one, you know, I want to make a recommendation this week. <laughs> Get unemployed. I, recommendation I absolutely time, right? recommend being unemployed right now because God fucking damn, I, I wake up when I want to. I go to sleep when I want to. I My credit score has gone up 77 points the last month. I eat at home. I, make, I started making homemade hash browns. Lose your jobs. 
lose your jobs. <laughs> you don't need them. You don't quit. Quit. You Live get on fired. the dole. Fuck yeah. America. Like. <laughs> Oh wait! Tune into Paula's Tinkering. What just happened? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Osama bin Laden over here. Jesus. No, Tim Osama. No, Osama. I'm just an ardent patriot. That's very abrasive. 